So good morning, everybody. We've officially started. We had a little bit of chit chat here before, but uh, um, we are now officially going to let everybody introduce themselves in a few sentences. Tell us what you're seeking um, and uh, tell us uh, who you become. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll get on with the stuff. So uh, Tuana, please. Again, my name is Tawana Fields, and I'm um, a parent partner for Harris County. My background was in accounting, but um, I applied for the job because I have a grandson who has autism, and I've been in his life and one of his caretakers for every, he, he just turned seven last, last month, and his mom was having some mental health challenges, so ever since his birth. And although my background is in accounting, I've always spent my entire life just from a little girl up until now reaching out and helping parents and helping the community. And what I hope to learn from this um, training and meeting today is more ways to make myself available and more skills to reach out to more people. Awesome. Super. And um, do you have a um, first responder background? No, no, I don't have a first responder background. Okay, All right, good. But that's I'm always awesome. open to learn whatever I can. Great, because we also have another group that's uh, first responder supports when dealing with uh, neurodiversity. And um, uh, we're always looking to see who else wants to come and join and share. Sounds great. So with all of your connections there, um, what we can talk about that. I'll send you a chat with the link. Thank you. Awesome. Alrighty, um, Ms. Carey, would you like to do next? Sure. Hello, everybody. I'm Carrie Axel. I'm a program director with the ARC of Fortman County, um, primarily focusing on our youth programs and our um, advocacy. In my, my former life, and I still get to dabble in it a little bit, I'm a former special education attorney um, who represented students primarily in special education. Um, and I happen to have a, a three wonderful children who have a disability. So I'm a, a parent as well. So as we always wear many hats, right? So that's my passion. I'm also a sibling when I grew up. My, I had a younger brother, Paul, who had autism, was um, nonverbal. Um, and so I just have always in my life had loved ones that we all care for in different stages. And so um, that's where my passion comes from. And now I have the best job in the world because I get to connect with and relate to other parents like myself and hopefully give information and receive information. And that's why being part of these communities are so great because we are always learning. And um, that's what I hope to glean from this is because in this community, we all have so many great things to share. So looking forward to learning from you all too. And it also goes to say that this is um, a conversation. There's nobody that's a soliloquy. So um, please pipe, interrupt Amanda and I anytime you want. <laughs> don't, don't interrupt Carrie, she's an attorney. But <laughs> no, she's, she's awesome. Amanda, you're next. And then um, Usha, Maria, Andres, if you'd like to. Sure. Hi guys, I'm Amanda Smith. I'm the Chief Clinical Officer for Para Autism Center. Um, and I'm just excited to be able to present with, with Gail and sort of with Carrie, it all started be me emailing Carrie and saying, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? I know your background. Um, and so she thankfully put me in touch with Gail. And so we got this amazing presentation to give to y'all today. Um, 
But um, like I said, I'm the chief clinical officer of APARA. We service, I'll go through it a little bit more in our presentation, but um, we are an ABA provider um, in the Sugar Lane, Katy, and um, in the Spring and Memorial area. So um, yeah, here I am. Um, I'll go next. My name is Maria Campos. I'm with JP Court case manager. I work with Harris County Triad. Um, I'm just looking to learn more information and also have family members who are autistic. Lucia or Andres, do you want to? Okay, so I'm on the, my ID is Andres M. My name is actually Rachel Mendez. <laughs> That's for my son's uh, when he was doing virtual school. And so, um, um, so my son is seven years old. He has Down syndrome. Um, and I have three kids total though. Um, I'm in finance and that's really all I have. I it's just, I'm, I called Carrie a long time ago, panicking about an art meeting. And she really talked to me through a lot of the steps and different things to know. Um, I've been learning ever since, and I'm still not comfortable going by myself to art meetings. I actually have an advocate that I take with me, but, um, I would like to eventually get to the point where I'm, I'm just by myself or just me and my husband. So. Awesome. Hopefully we can give you some of that confidence today. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of ideas, you know, um, everybody's got a perspective. And I think some of these ideas today might be a little bit unique, a little bit more creative, maybe than your standard, you know, um, boilerplate. So um, uh, anyone else would like to introduce yourself? We are, we are live. Yeah, I'm... Uh... I'm Usha Jha. Uh, I have 19 years old son with uh, multiple disabilities. Uh, he has autism too. And, um, you know, even though it's been more than uh, 14 years advocating with the school system, it's always challenging. And I'm here to learn new way to do it. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to learn. Hey, I'm uh, Paul Woodward. My son, Owen Woodward, has speech apraxia and a generic uh, global developmental dis delay. Um, he isn't on the spectrum, but he has some attributes that sort of belong on there, but he hasn't had the diagnosis of ADD or ADHD or autism, so to speak. So, But we're dealing with other issues there. Corey, would you like to come on and, and just say hi? It's okay if you don't want to. Oh, yeah. yeah hi. Awesome. Can you guys, oops, I don't, can you guys see me? Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, uh, Miss Corey. My son is Jason Corey. He's three years old, so I'm not used to this art. Is still kind of new to me, so I just wanted to jump in and learn more about it. Awesome, fantastic. So, we do have two co hosts um, in case uh, anybody else is coming in for they can they can help out with that. Um, anybody, if you have questions, interrupt us. We've got way too many, way too many slides to share. Um, put your contact information in the chat notes. Um, you can have a copy of anything that you're going to see. 
you got a lot of great expertise, a lot of diversity here on, uh, and as people come and go, it's a long day. We're gonna be doing this again in the afternoon and for lunch, we're gonna be here if anybody wants to ask questions and be creative. And um, so uh, this is your time, so don't be shy. I am gonna go now and we are on screen, uh, we are recording. So share screen and we'll go to our notes. I have made the uh, parent, uh, I also could share the parent presentation that I did for my kid in its glorious 220 something pages. <laughs> Doesn't mean y'all want that, but um, we can do that later. Okay, so welcome again. Um, we're thrilled to have you. We're gonna be talking about vocabulary, um, the law, um, horse trading, <laughs> playing poker, bargaining, risk, um, uh, the quandaries of the LEA, cooperation, standing your ground, boundaries, <laughs> all of those things. Um, so I always, we always like to touch on some magical things about what ARDS usually do not cover, all right? Self-directed learning, they don't. Well, they try to. Um, intrinsic motivation, they don't. They try to. They want to, some of them. There's a lot of organizational constraints and um, we have to help them be better, <laughs> be better LEAs. Um, there's a, some, uh, maybe about 10 legal phrases. If you all start using them, word substitutions in your conversation, it'll sound like you've been talking to an attorney and you'll get more respect that way. Um, you're not using it for arrogance. You're using it just to help your child get their best learning structure and what they're legally entitled to. So, um, and Carrie, please comment because you've actually got far more legal training than anybody else here. Um, we wanna talk about independence of your child. I had a rough morning and I posted it on Facebook. Um, I'm glad to friend anybody that you'd like. And he really pushed the boundaries. And I, we had to, I had to do some tough love, not my favorite thing. It took me a little while to kind of get past the emotional part of it, but I love you forever. See you later. See you tonight when you get home from school, John. And, um, and then just realize that our kids are struggling. Our kids are going, our kids each day are a different kid than who we had yesterday. For their, if, if they're coming into normal development, then they're gonna be pushing that, that parental uh, growth of uh, the five love languages of children compared to the five love languages of teenagers is they're going to be pushing against us. Now, not all of you have kids in approaching puberty, but you're gonna. <laughs> and so we have to balance all of this with everybody's psychology, okay? Um, Self-control, resilience, helping our, our kids develop those adult habits that will keep them on the life that we desire so much for them as a parent. And then all these other big words here, okay? We're not trying to flood you with big words. I'm gonna show you just the, the covers of the last four or five ARDs that I've done. For John, I woke up when he was in third grade. It's like, oh my God, code 44, section seven, where have I been? And the guilt I felt and that trying to catch up and getting past the anger and then moving into full collaboration kind of took me a while. And I had to admit to them, it was a rough art year. We had four sessions and I finally had, and I admitted first session to them, I'm sorry, I was angry for 45 minutes. And I, then we had to start all over with the wordsmithing. So you've got to be alert when you're going through your ARD. It's, it's a legal process. It's not to make you fearful. It's just, you got to really clear your head, put your emotionality away, you know, um, 
we can't really be these emotional parents. <laughs> it works against us. So these are the cover pages. It started off with 89 PowerPoint. I had the legal right to present it to them. Um, and then as the years have gone by, I put the new pages in the beginning. Please add everything to the deliberations is what I tell them. Um, the roughest one was the last one and the one I just had because I had to talk about predeterminations and hmm, illegal, we're not gonna be illegal, are we? Come on, really, LEA, <laughs> curricular LRE, right? Curricular least restrictive. And we'll get into vocabulary. I want to encourage you all to develop a few phrases that just flow from your heart in front of a mirror practice, just in normal conversation practice, and it'll come off as very real. And our goal here is that you don't need any advocate, that you'll be able to walk into these meetings, hold your own against 10 of them, be at peace, have humor, be comfortable, advocate for your child, let your child advocate for themselves and help the LEA because God knows they need help. <laughs> okay, so this was the cover of the most recent one. And this was one year previous, lots of pages. We went through all the new stuff. I don't make them go through the old stuff. They get a copy of the old stuff. And actually last year they printed the whole thing out. They printed like a, it was three quarters of an inch and it's in his folder somewhere. Like really? But okay, that's great. One year previous. So this was bridging sixth and seventh. For some reason we have a December date. And this is just a cover, all right? But it's like a sales marketing plan. This is one year previous. And this was the one that almost killed mom. <laughs> but I've learned so much. And um, so I'm not trying to overwhelm you. Thank you for your patience. Um, we just want to give you a lot of ideas. We're going to have a bit now from um, Opera on ABA. And then we'll move on to other content issues. So... Um, I will, I will um, press go whenever you want, Amanda. You're, you're sure. on now. Works for me. Um, well, I, I, did we have anybody join since we did introductions? I don't think so, right? Okay. I will skip right on into it then. Um, next slide, please. Um, so we, um, one more. There we go. Um, so I did, I do have to say I pulled some of our Facebook posts because I just really um, love some of the quotes we have on here. Um, but this one, you know, if you could give my child three things, it would be confidence to always know their self-worth, the strength to follow their dreams, and the ability to know how truly deeply loved they are. And um, I know at times, um, and especially in the old days of ABA, um, there was a bad rap of what we were teaching kids and how we were teaching them. And um, one thing when we built Aparo, we looked at, okay, what is ABA? What are other companies doing? How can we do things differently? And in our minds, better. And this really, I think, captures um, what we're trying to do there. We And I told a parent the other day that, you know, yes, we're working on behaviors and working on stereotypy and things like that. They're self-stimulatory behaviors. But we're not changing who they are. We're not changing their personality. We're helping them to learn how to do things differently, um, learn how to excel in the areas that they love and that they're already doing well in, you know, help those areas. Um, those deficit areas, but at the same time, teaching them that confidence and teaching them that they're loved at the same time. Um, and I just think that's an important piece. And just, I guess it kind of goes back to you this morning, Gail, as well, you know, working with John and it's, we've got to correct some things, but dude, I will always love you no matter how much and how, how crazy things get. You're always mine. And that's all that matters and taking out shame and all that business. Um, but we're just here to 
help those kiddos and help our families. And then with this as well, helping our community too. So um, that's our biggest thing that we try to do. Um, so if you can go to the next one, please. Um, is every, I guess too, knowing my audience, so some of these things we might be able to skip over a little bit as well, but um, of the parents that are on here, are any of y'all currently enrolled in ABA services? Um, or, okay, have y'all ever, do y'all know what ABA is? Have you ever looked into it for your children? Okay, sounds good. Um, We've been through it actually, Amanda. Okay, okay, good, 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 okay. Um, so I'll just briefly touch quickly on it, but it is um, scientific. It's all based in, um, in learning and behavior. Um, we, one thing I, you know, for me, especially as a young BCBA back in the early 2000s, it was exciting to be like, the Surgeon General, the U.S. Surgeon General, they back us and it's really important. Um, but I still get excited when I see that because we still are actually the only um, therapy that they actually do back and say, yes, this is the one that um, really increases um, our kiddos with autism, their skill levels. And um, it's still an insurance fight for those of y'all that have done the private insurance route. Um, but we're, we're working on it. And hopefully um, with Tech Saba, who is our state, um, it's our state chapter for the BCBAs and ABA. Um, they're working really closely with, um, with the House and the Senate to figure out all the Medicaid stuff going on. So if you are a Medicaid family, um, it's coming down the pipeline. It was supposed to start this past March, but then, you know, COVID hit. Um, so that wrecked plans. Um, and then they were supposed to start this coming March in 2021. And they just released, um, Texaba just released another um, training on it, actually, that unfortunately, again, because of COVID, things are getting pushed back again. So hopefully by the end of next year, um, we'll have some set in stone services for um, those families who have Medicaid. Um, instead of the commercial insurance plans. Um, but um, as far as ABA goes, I mean, obviously we're working on the individual child um, or the adult we put in here as well. Um, we're working on helping them be the best that they can be in their natural environment, um, helping the families, doing parent training, all that business. Um, one thing I do want to point out is the end of this slide where it says who can provide ABA services. Um, yeah, in general, whoever is taught ABA can provide them. But these are the certifications that our board and the behavior analytic, uh, behavior analytic, behavior analysis certification board um, has said, this is who is trained properly in them. Um, so our master's level, like myself, our BCBAs, the ones with the D is a PhD. Um, they do not need supervision to practice. Um, BCABA is a board certified assistant behavior analyst, and they do need supervision from either the master's level BCBA or the doctorate level. They're not allowed to practice on their own. Um, so if for some reason, um, you know, you're approached by a BCABA or you approach a BCABA, that first question would be, who is your BCBA supervisor um, to ensure you're getting the right therapy for your child as well? Um, and then the RBT is the registered behavior technician. Um, this was put in place several years ago by the board to help, um, help families and insurance companies really know, okay, these are the these are the people who are trained specifically and meet these goals um, to work with our children with autism in the ABA setting. Um, the RBTs also have to pass a national exam as well um, in order to um, be an RBT. A lot of clinics are moving that way and only doing RBTs, um, and we're right in there too. You know, obviously, we're hiring new and fresh 
people into the world of ABA. So there's that turnover, the, the not turnover, the time period in between when they're training and become the RBT, right? Um, and it's typically between three and six months um, from working the beginning of it. Um, but it's a really, um, I really love that the board put those, um, that piece in because it does help us from a provider standpoint, especially when we're working with commercial insurance companies to say, oh, wait, no, we're meeting all these standards. This is why it's important for you to approve services. Uh, you can go to the next one, Gail. Um, so right now, ABA is very much autism, 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 and developmental disability, right? You don't really necessarily hear ABA um, in other fields, um, but it actually can be used in any, any like it says, endless possibilities. Um, and I think it's important that we look at that because it is based in that principles of reinforcement. And there's so many different ways that we can use this. And so like it says, gerontology, rehab services, self-management at the zoo, um, in sports, all of in business, we call it um, organizational, organizational behavior management, OBM. Um, so it's, it's not just an autism thing. Autism is definitely, um, for lack of better words, that bad right now for ABA, but um, ABA is actually able to be used across the board in many different disciplines as well. Um, go ahead on to the next one, Gail. Thank you. Um, specifically, um, what is ABA? When we look at goals and what we're doing with our children, we need to make sure that we have um, goals written to hit these six different areas. Um, so it needs to be measurable. Obviously, we need to be able to see, can they, how do we know if they're making progress? Um, so that's where all of our data collection comes into play. Everything we do, we're taking data on. Um, is it socially significant? Is it going to actually help them in their real life, right? Do, does a kiddo need to know their colors or do they need to know that that's a rocket ship? They probably need to know their colors first, right? Um, research is based in the research. Our science, everything that we do is based through those research articles that we read. Um, um, the data, like I said, we need to make sure we're taking data, make sure that the data is showing progress. If it's not showing progress, then we're digging even deeper to say, to figure out why it's not, that we're not making progress. Where, where did we as a clinician go wrong? What do we need to adjust? Um, again, that meaningful change as well, make sure that it's important for them. Um, and then the generalization, it's great and wonderful if they can do it within our four walls of our center or within your four walls of your home or within the, the four walls of the school. But if they can't do it across environments, what are we teaching them? We need to make sure that we're able to help them in every aspect of their life and keep it going for them. Um, so that's one of, you know, it's one of the main things that we're looking at too is it's not, it's okay if they know that this is a pen, but they need to know that, you know, this, this is a pen and that's a pen over there is a pen. All these things are different types of pens and they all do the same thing. Um, okay, go ahead on to the next one, Gail. Um, so for early intervention, we, you know, our research definitely shows, and I'm sure y'all as um, parents know this, the earlier we can get started with our kiddos, the better those outcomes are going to show. Um, you know, the more hours per week, depending on what they need, depending from our assessments, all of those things are going to be important. So this slide just talks about why it's important to do early and intensive ABA. Um, and, um, what, you know, what can come out of that. Um, I know for most of y'all have been through it already, so we can go ahead and jump on that slide and y'all can, um, Gail, I can't remember, are we going to give this presentation out um, like a PDF of it as well?
Of course. Yeah. Y'all can have anything. Um, did you say go on to the next slide? Did I goof? Yes, you can. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. You're welcome to. Okay. So just to, you know, do a shameless plug for Power Autism Center. Um, but like I said, we, um, we are an ABA provider. We opened our Sugarland location in July of 19. Um, we opened our Katie location in June of this year in the midst of the pandemic. Um, I don't know how we did it, but we did and we're going strong. Um, and then we hope to open our third location in the Memorial area. Um, it's right off of I-10 and 610 basically um, in April or so of 2021. Um, the it's been a crazy and amazing ride, honestly, um, being able to start something from the beginning and just see the growth and um, seeing how many families were able to help is just unreal. Um, so it's been a really, really fun journey. Um, again, things that just that are important to us are collaborating with the support for the whole family. So, you know, this is one way that we're doing that, working with the school districts, which is the other part of my part of my presentation, all the collaboration pieces of it. I'm making sure that we're giving clinical care that's been proven to be successful. Um, positive approaches to improving day-to-day -day life. All of those things that are important to our families and our clients and children and adults who are working with. Um, insurance plans, um, we're working with most of the big name commercial insurance plans. And then and we do have private pay options as well, of course, for those families that um, are interested in private pay. I will say if you're interested in services, um, and you would, you don't have a commercial insurance plan that covers ABA. It's um, definitely cheaper in the long run to go probably through the marketplace and buy a specific plan for your child rather than doing private pay. Um, it might be more very first thing in the beginning, but it's definitely cheaper in the long run to do it for you that way. Um, okay, go ahead on to the next one. Um, so we do um, full time and part time. I know a lot of clinics, especially with the younger kids, are only doing full time. Um, but we have a mixture. Our, um, we do have a social skills group, so those kids meet five hours a week. Um, and then kiddos that are in specific ABA programs, the minimum that we do is about 10 hours a week, um, all the way up to 35, 40 hours. So it just really varies. I think our average is somewhere between 25 and 30 across the board. Um, parent training, oh, goodness, we try so hard to do it once a week with our families. Um, you know, in the times that we have right now, a lot of our families are to um, both mom and dad or both spouses are both working. So it's difficult to try to get to parent training. One of the reasons why Gail and I are doing a full day presentation to give parents multiple times to be able to attend these trainings. Um, we do have a partnership with another company to do speech and language um, as well as OT. I forgot that on our slide, sorry. Um, speech OT um, at our clinic and we um, have different arrangements for that. Um, but we do welcome, you know, if a family comes in and they're already doing speech with a different company and that company wants to come in and do speech with us, we love it. We would welcome it. That's perfectly fine with us. Um, again, just more opportunities for us to collaborate with people. Um, the social skills part, we already talked about that one. Um, and then, like I said, the community and partner trainings. Um, we hope to in the future, um, I don't know if it's on the next slide or not, um, but we hope to in the future also um, have some type of parent or um, child counseling services as well. The divorce rate of our families with autism is extremely high. So again, we want to do our part to help our families. Um, and I don't, I didn't say it, but one of our things is that one place for all autism. And that's where all those pieces come into play. You got to start one place, right? And then you can work your way up and adding different things. Got to do one thing, right? Um, but um, we, we hope to be able to add those services in for our families as well. Okay, go ahead, ma'am. 
Um, so this is actually a picture of our, um, of our grand opening from um, July of last year, which is just, again, insane to me. I can't believe it's been a year and a half already, almost. Um, on the left is Amberly Bossert. She is our clinic director in Sugarland. Um, and on the right is Susanna Riley. She's our clinic director in Katy. Um, they both came on day one with me um, and our, our CEO and myself and helped build APARA from the ground up. Um, while Tyler and I were writing all the policies and procedures and getting ready for insurance audits, the two of them sat down and built out how we are going to do our programming and what are our clinical expectations. And it just, I, we would not be here if it were not for the two of them, because there's no way that I could have done that all by myself. So I'm just every day I'm thankful for the two of them. Um, and they're just outstanding BCBAs and um, just, I want to hug them every time. And I can't because of COVID now. So, <laughs> um, but um, again, that clinical excellence piece, like I said, we spent um, they both came on in the spring of 19 and we opened, like I said, in the summer, they spent close to three months working on the clinical side of it, um, setting up everything. Um, it just, the excellence in that we think at least in our program is there because we've spent the time and dedication to build it from the beginning. Um, and as we grow, we now have 10 BCBAs for a par, including myself, um, and trying to keep those caseloads smaller. So, um, about eight-ish maybe um, kiddos per BCBA. It depends on, you know, numbers and how many hours kiddos are getting. But um, again, that collaboration piece, um, we always try to get our families to sign releases of information um, so that we can reach out to the speech pathologist. We can reach out to the school. We can reach out to the diagnostician um, and at least say, hey, here we are. We'd love to participate and collaborate with you. Would you like to collaborate too? Um, so we try to do all those things. And then, like I said, the community trainings as well. Um, all righty, next slide. Thank you. Um, so as far as, um, you know, how to get started with ABA, I'll kind of go through this pretty quickly too, since like I said, some of y'all have already said you've done it, but the very first and most important thing is obviously getting that medical diagnosis. Um, the school will diagnose an educational need for autism as early as three years old, right? Um, but in order for it to go through insurance, the insurance requires a medical diagnosis. Um, so that means you need to go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, um, a behavioral pediatrician or your, your pediatrician and neurologist somewhere in there. We have, when we opened, we did a vast amount of research trying to find great providers in the area. Um, of course, Texas Children's is on there and, um, UT and all that business. They're all on there. Um, but there's also amazing and wonderful providers, um, that are private practice providers too, um, that, um, don't belong to the big systems. Um, so we definitely have options and um, able to refer out to different places. Um, so once you get that comprehensive medical diagnosis, um, you'll send it over to us with your insurance information. We'll verify those in that insurance benefit and go from there. Um, once it's verified and um, we go through a little bit of paperwork on our end, we'll do that initial intake assessment, which is non-COVID times. The family comes in, we meet with them for several hours, we're with the kiddo for several hours doing whichever is an appropriate assessment. Maybe it's the peak assessment or the BB map or the ABLES, one of those to figure out the skills assessments that those, that that um, person needs. Um, and then from there, we write our treatment plan and we develop, we go through and score different assessments and our parent, um, we have our parents do parent surveys for us as well. We score all of those to look at what are our areas of strengths, what are our areas of deficits and target for both areas. Um, we provide that to the family and say, hey, this is what we come up with for your child. What do you think? 
these are the hours that we think are necessary, medically necessary for your child. Um, you know, we want to go move forward with this and this is what our proposed schedule is. Um, and then parents typically say, all right, let's do this. Um, and then we submit it to insurance saying, Hey, um, we have a treatment plan. We'd like to move forward. Um, that's where the waiting game sometimes happens. There are some insurance companies that turn it over in a day and there are some insurance companies that take two weeks to do it. Um, but we are typically on top of them every other day or so saying, Hey, did you get it? Did you get it? Are you ready? Are you ready? Um, but keeping that balance so that they, they don't hate us and want to, um, deny everything we send their way. Right. Um, but want to still approve things for us too. Um, so once we get that approval, then we start those sessions and, um, again, on average right now, most of our kids are coming every day, um, whether it's for three hours or six hours, it just depends on that child specifically. Go ahead, Gail. Um, so these are some of those assessments that we work on. I won't really go through all of them just for time management times, but, um, definitely, you know, those are things that y'all are interested in learning more about. I'm happy to talk more about them. Um, but the biggest piece is making sure that we choose assessments that are age appropriate for your child, our skill level appropriate for them, um, and that will show us what we need. So um, again, the ABAS is more of um, a whole child type of assessment that the parent fills out. The VB map is that skills assessment that is norm reference as well, um, so that we can really see, okay, your child is three, but he's um, really doing things at eight an 18 month level. Okay. Now where do we need to go from there? Um, and those are just some other, um, assessments that we use as well. Go ahead, Gail, on the next one. Um, so we talked a little bit, I guess I, I ran through this one already basically, but, um, the biggest piece is when we're writing those assessments, um, just making sure that it is individualized, the parent training goals. Um, we do have parents fill out a comprehensive intake document it's those, those packets that y'all as parents really love to fill out that you have to go through your entire life 20 times, basically. And yes, this is what happened during this time of my life and this, and this is with my child and this is with my other child and all that business. Um, but all that information really gives us a very great idea of how your child developed. Um, and then at the end of ours, we specifically have written out, what are your goals as a parent? Is it um, a goal you just want them to be able to sit on the couch with you, eat popcorn and watch a movie as a family on Friday nights? That's a great goal. That's something that a lot of families do, and we can try to figure out how to work on that for you. Um, is it, I just want my child potty trained, or I want them eating with a spoon or a fork, or I want my child to walk holding my hand in the parking lot? Whatever those things are, those are the key things in our programming because that's the thing that you feel are, is the most important part to you as a parent, and we want to make sure we hit that for y'all as well. Um, and then, like I said, the collaboration part of it, um, as we're going through, of course, insurance every time is like, how can you decrease these hours? How can you decrease them? Um, if it's appropriate to decrease hours for our kids, we'll do that. If it's not, we're not going to do that. And we're going to tell insurance company why we're not decreasing at this time. Um, but with the transition pieces of it and the discharge, we do have to write criteria. So typically, um, you know, Joey will master, you know, all of the functional communication goals here, or he'll be able to explain, utilize his functional communication skills to meet all of his needs and wants, as well as hold, uh, you know, X length of conversations with peers and adults, things like that. So we have pretty specific discharge things for each client um, and each child. It's, again, very specific to them individually. Um, and then the last part of that treatment plan is the hours. So whether it's 20 hours a week or 35 hours a week, um, we just recommend what we feel necessary for them. Um, 
I get this question a lot when parents are coming are calling in to ask about our services. Um, but as far as direct hours, that's with that big number, that 20, 35, 30 hours, whatever that is. Um, that's direct one-on-one -on -one therapy with your child and an RBT or behavior therapist. Um, the other part of those hours are supervision hours um, or what we call treatment protocol modification in the insurance world um, for the BCBAs. And that's the time where the BCBA is actually with your child and a therapist working together with them, trying new things, making sure the data is going how it needs to go, um, all of that business. Um, and we ask typically for about 15% of the time that they're there. If I was great in math, I would give you examples, but I'm not. I'm a psychology major, not a math major, and I use Excel and calculators all day long for that business. But, um, but that's where our numbers look are about 15%. Um, the minimum that our board recommends is 10%, and the maximum is 20%. Um, unfortunately, insurance typically wants to only give somewhere between 10 and 15%, and then the rest is basically non-billable in the insurance world of just what we call admin time um, that our BCBAs are utilizing for our kiddos as well. Um, and then most insurance companies require us to do our assessments every six months. So all of those papers that our families did in the beginning, they do them every six months, um, except for the comprehensive intake document. They don't have to do that again unless something else um, very much changed in, in those six months or 12 months or however long it's been. Um, and then we go through the process again. So um, go ahead, Gilly, and go to the next one. Um, the hours recommendation, how do we come up with that? Um, it's based, again, on our data. It's based, again, in the research and science um, of what they're telling us. How do you recommend these things? Um, a large portion is the age. So, you know, a three-year-old is likely going to require more hours than a 15-year-old. However, it depends on their skill strength. So a 15-year-old that might not have a functional communication skill meaning they're not able to get their needs and wants met in an appropriate way, um, whether it's using their words, whether it's using a PEC system or um, an AEC device, so like an iPad that has a program in it, um, you know, that's a big issue, right? They need to, we need to help our kids learn how to communicate. Um, so, you know, though that kiddo might require more hours than a different kiddo. Um, so we weigh all of those strengths, all of those deficits, and make sure that we have that, that right number. Um, the beautiful thing is, especially with the insurance company, let's say we're wrong, then we can go back to the insurance company and say, hey, look, we were wrong. It, we had too many hours. We were wrong. We had too less of hours. And this is our data showing this is why we need more. Or this is why we need less. Um, and then also, we again, we look at that past therapy stuff, too. So, you know, if they had ABA in the past, what did their success look like? Um, if they were in school, what did their goals on their R? look like and things like that too. Um, so that's how we come up with that hour recommendation. Go ahead, Gail. Um, and then we talked a little bit about parent training, but I think the biggest thing is kudos to you as parents. You're here today learning about different skills um, and what we need and, um, and how y'all can continue working with your kiddos um, to learn the best um, skills for them to keep going in the home as well. Um, these are just some different ideas that we've we typically talk with our parents, um, you know, general ABA principles and trainings, reinforcement, toilet training, feeding. Um, of course, we ask our families to come in and observe our kiddos. COVID has put a little bit of a wrench in that um, for our PARA families, but we're trying to make the best that we can of it. Um, generalization of skills, practicing skills with um, your kiddo while you're there with the BCBA. Um, 
And um, let's see, the, I think the other part too is like it says conducting trainings with other caregivers. So we do a lot of sibling training as well. So, um, you know, a sibling might come in for 30 minutes before the end of a kid that their sibling session and we might work on social skills together or playing Candyland or playing Connect Four or something like that to help them um, with that and then teach that sibling, okay, this is how you can get Johnny to ask you to play or this is how you can get Johnny to um, do, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is how you can help mom with Johnny taking a bath, you know, things like that or mom and dad. So um, those are those are the, the fun trainings as well. Um, and I do have to say with grandparents too, you know, I face it with my own parents too of, you know, oh, I want to raise my kids this way, but my parents say, no, you should do this instead. Um, I always tell our parents, I'm happy to be the bad guy and tell the grandparents, well, actually, hold on, let's reverse and let's do this. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but, you know, we try and we want to educate as many people as um, y'all as our parents want us to educate for you. Um, all right, on to the next one. Um, and here it kind of leads us to the ARD meeting stuff, right? So um, we want to help with those ARD meetings as much as possible. Um, one big thing we have to remember as BCAs is we're not advocates and we're not allowed to advocate for your child. Um, however, we can say, this is what we're doing. This is what we think would be very beneficial for him. This is how we would like to collaborate. Um, and then we can give you all that extra information as well. Um, and again, you're here today getting that information. So um, insurance issues, we get a lot of families that say, okay, I don't have insurance. What do I need to do? What type of insurance? Or here is my insurance. What do you mean it's not covered? We help you navigate the whole insurance world as well. Um, and then again, the last one, support groups. We're working on that. Um, we're trying to, um, we had a great idea start and then COVID hit. So, um, you know, those group gatherings went, went to the side. Um, so we're working on that again. We're starting our monthly uh, APARA parent training groups actually in January as well. So hopefully that'll be able to bring our family specifically at APARA together and let them know each other and give them some um, some support with the other fellow parents, specifically in the APAR community. Okay, go ahead, Gail. Um, we do, like I said, we offer social skills. Pre-COVID, we had a group coming in and doing gymnastics and more of like a gross motor skill for our kiddos. It was amazing. It was so cute. All the kids were, most, I say all, most of the kids were excited to do this activity. Um, she came in for an hour a week and it was awesome. So these are some of the things that we would like to continue to offer um, we had to suspend those because specifically that person was going to different daycares around Sugarland, And we we're like, well, that's probably not the safest thing to do at this moment. Right. Um, so we've done it a little bit on our own within the, um, with our own staff saying, oh, I, I used to do gymnastics or, oh, I used to do ballet, blah, blah, whatever. So we're doing this just not as structured as we were previously before COVID. But um, like I said, I really hope that we'll be able to bring all this back very quickly. So go ahead, Gail, on to the next one. Um, so the community trainings, um, basically kind of what we did here today is, um, like I said, I reached out to Carrie and I said, there's a need that we want to present about ARDS and that process. I used to work in one of the public school systems. And I was like, it's been a couple of years, though, so I'm not confident in all of my knowledge anymore. Things change every once in a while. Um, so thankfully, you know, we, I was able to get with Gail and be able to offer this up to you. Um, when we first opened, um, we were working with the Sugar Lane Fire Department and we actually met with all the, the head honchos over there and presented our project. And then 
um, life just happened. They had to cancel. We had to cancel. It was just a mess. So unfortunately we haven't gotten to actually train the firefighters of Trigger Lane Fire Department. Um, but it's on my list still to go back to them, um, as soon as we can. So, um, but the good news is the head honchos and the chiefs have all learned, um, what is autism and how can you recognize somebody with autism in your community? And, um, they do actually, a lot of the ambulances and, and the fire trucks already have little like, um, fidget boxes for our kiddos in there too, that they had made prior to us even going in there and talking to them. So it's really exciting. Okay, go ahead, Gail. Um, so here we go, a ABA and school collaboration. I think this is the biggest part of why we're all here today, right? Um, we wanna teach the same things. I think that's the biggest part of it. Um, I, I will say, you know, schools are amazing. ABA is amazing, but how can we make them amazing together? That is my personal goal. How can we make it all work together? Um, obviously, as you can see the three areas on here, everybody has something in common, which is the child that we're trying to work with, right? Um, so we all are looking at teaching communication skills. We're all looking at those adaptive living skills, all social skills, motor skills, everything that is going on in a learner's life. We're all looking at that. Um, the difference would be that we might be teaching it a little bit differently than the school they're teaching it, right? We're always one-on-one -on -one for the most part where the school, that child might have some pull-out services or if they're in um, a special education classroom, they're likely not one-on-one -on -one all day long unless it's been, you know, through the ARD process. Um, but, um, you know, they get some one-on-one -on -one time throughout the day, but it wouldn't be the six hours or so if they're in a, you know, a 30-hour um, ABA program. Um, we want to have the same positive outcomes. And again, we just want what's best for that child. Um, so I, for me, I think what's missing sometimes is allowing us as BCBAs to come in and help the classrooms. A lot of the school districts nowadays actually have their own BCBAs hired on staff. I think that's an amazing step in the right direction. Um, I was one of those BCBAs, like I said, in a public school system as well. Um, it was wonderful and great. Um, truly, I just, I wanted to be back in the clinic and back in the homes of these kiddos um, and be um, hands-on and giving those 40 hours or 30 hours to those kiddos rather than being in the school system. Um, I think that school district did an amazing job and um, great progress with the kiddos that we worked on. Go ahead. Hey, Amanda. Yeah. I'll just, um, this is Carrie. I'll just interject something because yeah. this is a great time here for this, uh, because of this collaboration, if you mm -hmm. do happen to have um, any types of therapy, ABA therapy, your child sees a private speech therapist or your child sees, you know, a play therapist or, you know, just all these outside um, therapies and things that your child is doing in, to, in order to have kind of that cohesiveness with the art committee. Um, it, I share with parents, look, get the, it is, it is something that's wonderful for the art committee to consider is that outside information. So even though your speech therapist, ABA, you know, provider, whatnot, might not come to art with you, they can certainly write a letter or a summary statement about what your child has been doing there and also convey in that um, how it impacts their home life, how it impacts their community life, how it impacts and, and some similarities with things that, that they could be doing in school as well. So that when you do have that ARD meeting um, the, and, and you present this letter to them, preferably before the ARD meeting, just so they have a chance to kind of look it over. And then when you guys have that discussion, it's like, well, you know, 
John is in, you know, speech therapy and here he is doing these things. And the speech therapist says this and this and this for our family and community and home and things that would benefit the school. So that's a strategy that parents can use if, especially if you have these great outside therapies that your child is doing and to bring those things to your art committee and have them consider them and then see how they can um, across these settings incorporate that into your child's IEP. So then you get, cause so then you start advocating, well, as you see from speech therapy, they're working on this, this, and this, how can we make that consistent when he's doing the speech therapy in the school setting? So sometimes you can use that information to help you advocate for what they're doing in school too. Carrie, you read ahead. Cause that's basically the next slide. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm glad you went through it. <laughs> Perfect. Look at how perfect that was. Um, seriously, look at the data, 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 right? Um, no, I think it's, we can go to the next slide now. No, just kidding. Um, but um, yeah, I, I it's, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> please. That's why you're here, Carrie. Um, no, I, I don't know if I could say it any differently than Carrie. I, I think the other piece would just be um, training each other. I put that on there as well of BCBAs training teachers and teachers training BCBAs. Um, I will say from my own experience as being a BCBA going into a school system, um, unfortunately and fortunately, I guess, even within some districts, schools act a little bit differently. Um, and in one day, this true story, in one day, I went to one side of the district um, and had a, an amazing art experience with a school to help with a principal saying, please come in please help us. We need support. Please, 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 please. And I was like, are you sure you want me to go? I've never been invited into the school before. Um, but he was like, yes, I do. Like our teacher could need that support. Um, at the end of the day, I literally the same day, I went to the opposite end of the district. Um, and I wasn't even allowed to speak in the ARD meeting because the school counselor did not have my release of information on file, even though the parent was sitting next to me. Um, so it, you know, it just, every school is a little bit different. That one was definitely more of a, for lack of a better word, a hostile kind of art with parents and everything going back and forth. Um, but the irony of it is I was a little bit more on the school side than the parent side, actually. Um, but um, so it just really depends on, you know, the school. But I think it comes down to the family's relationship with the school as well. Um, and it, if it's always an arduous one, then it might not always get everything that we need together to collaborate well. Um, but like Gail said, you know, I was really fresh with that first 45 minutes, but let's start over and let's, I'm okay. We can, we can go through this. We're on the same team. I think that's the other part of it. We're on the same team. Um, but I do, I mean, I fight for collaboration as much as I can. Um, we try to get, you know, teachers, uh, you know, emailing back and forth, you know, um, on a, a conference period. I'm sure as you all well know too, a lot of our teachers are told they have a conference period and then life happens and there goes their conference period or there goes their lunchtime. And it just, it's hard. I, um, my sister's a special ed teacher and she and I bang heads a lot, um, on things. And, um, but I get it, you know, she, it's, it's a little bit crazy, but as much, I think if we all can come together and really just continue to try to collaborate as much as we can, the better that collaboration will be in the future as well. Um, but as far as APARA goes, you know, those teachers, others, other uh, providers go, we welcome them into our facility to see what we're doing hands-on with our kiddos. 
we want to be very open as long as the parents say it's okay, but we want to be very open and, and offer that so that we can go across different environments. Um, okay. And I think the last thing is right here. Why should we collaborate? It's to ensure we're all doing the same thing. We're on the same page. The worst thing that we can do for a child is teach them the same skill differently, right? Or teach, you know, have a behavior plan that's, you know, opposing each other. Um, you know, one saying it's okay to do blah, blah, blah. And one saying it's not okay to do blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's just making sure we're on the same page and making sure that we're um, very much data driven. And um, so we can see if that progress is working. The progress is working. The, the, the program is working. There we go. Okay, go ahead, Gail. Um, so our benefits, um, I, you know, I do have to say when I started this slide, I wanted to say what is the good and the bad of both. Right. And I just decided, let's just talk about the good because that's what we're here for. We're here to figure out how to collaborate. And like I said, both places or both settings have really great aspects to them. Um, and I think the biggest thing is when you combine them together, it just makes it that much more special for those kids in my own personal and professional opinion of ABA. Um, but in the school setting, of course, you know, you're getting that immediate peer access and typically the neurotypically developing peers, right? So they're able to go into that general education setting um, and play with those kiddos as well. Um, you're, um, you have access to your, um, your speech and your OT. And I just, I was trying to be fancy and use the right word. Um, specialized therapies, is that what they say in the school, right? Um, for, for speech and OT and PT and all that business. Um, you know, if there's a reading issue, dyslexia therapists and all that business, all of that is on school premises for that child where, on, unfortunately, when you're in an ABA center, it's not there, right? Um, multiple transitions from different classrooms and different areas of the, of the school. Um, special ed, you're going to have that small setting. Likely, you're going to have a small classroom size. Um, and like I said, hopefully those pullouts, if that's appropriate for that child, into a gen ed classroom. Um, and then you have specifically access to the TEKS curriculum, that this is what Texas wants us to be learning. And if they're doing Common Core and all that business, this is the curriculum we're learning. Whereas in ABA Center, it's this is individualized for this person. So we're not necessarily teaching fourth grade skills to a fourth grader, right? We're looking at, okay, where are your deficits along the road to fourth grade? And then how do we get you past it? Um, ABA Center, home base. For the most part, they're always going to be one-on-one -on -one, unless it's appropriate for them to be two-on-one or three-on-one or in a group setting. Um, individualized instruction. So again, it's very, um, it's not just these are the, you know, 20 goals in the R that are individualized. It's this is everything you're doing every day, long, all day long that is individualized for you. Um, the weekly parent training. I know the schools have the parent training as well. I should have put that in there. I apologize. Um, I the immediate goal changes. So if something's not working immediately, we can knock that goal out and throw something back in. Um, the teaching to criterion, both the ARD process does have that as well as the ABA centers with the, you know, they have goals. You have to do so and so across so many days, that's whatever percentage before they master it, right? Um, I will say ours is um, much more strict than the school districts because we are, ours actually are doing it independently with no prompts, no nothing, just you do it on your own, buddy, because you got this um, before we move on. Um, our daily data collection is um, is robust. Um, everything we're doing, we're, you know, every goal is likely getting hit 10 or so times, um, depending on the type of goal. Um, and then um, we're then also building the skills needed to be in that classroom successfully. So 
you know, if it's a two-year-old, we're not really working on the classroom skills, but if it's a first or second grader or kindergartner, we're teaching them, okay, this is what life looks like in kindergarten. This is what we need to grow to. Um, and unfortunately, I feel like now with COVID, we need to teach every child how to sit in their desk for eight hours a day, because that's what everybody's doing in public school now, right? Or in any school, just sitting in their little six-foot box. And oh, as a parent, it's hard um, to see kids just have to sit all day long. It's not fun. Um, so, all right, go ahead on to the next one, Gail. Um, so what happens when we work together? So much amazing stuff happens, right? Our kids blossom even more than they were in one setting or the other. And um, we're seeing that generalization across all environments. Um, holy cow, our professionals learn from each other. I learned something from the teacher. The teacher learned something from me. And that just then grows into other areas and other kids and families' lives that we're working with too. Um, we get those well-rounded goals. Um, we hit both the medical and the educational pieces of it. Um, and then, like I said, most importantly, everybody in that treatment team is happy and we have a success on our hands. Um, I want to point out, even if we don't collaborate, we still have successes and that's an important piece of it as well. But I do feel the more we collaborate, probably the bigger success that we'll have on those as well. Um, so that's how ABA and schools can um, work together. There's definitely more to it probably, but um, Gail has a lot of exciting information about what to do during the art as well, Nick. So go ahead, Gail. So take all of that as the tip of the iceberg, all right? right. We're skimming across the tips of lots of icebergs here. Um, in the earlier days, before I documented all this 12 years of everything that I've learned, my hair was on fire, way worse than it looks today. Um, so just to know that what we're trying to help you with is just ideas. It's not meant to overwhelm you. I totally get that it's overwhelming. Um, we talked a lot here about technical phrasing. There's some law that's coming up and, and vocabulary I might skip over because what, what I would like to do in our remaining half time is to show you, okay, from one parent standpoint, but a really actively connected parent, how does this work? How do you do this, right? What about after ABA? What about when your kid's not three years old anymore, right? And you're hitting puberty or you're trying to get into adult um, adulting and all that. So. Um, just uh, know that from where I've posted for our teams on our website at Getting Sorted, there's 12 years of stuff. And um, so I'm going to take a deep breath. We'll all take a deep breath. A lot of great technicalities. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Amanda. Again, they could keep talking for a whole day, right? But then we all could. So um, please, if you have any questions, come on mic. Just interrupt me. Interrupt us. Um, we're glad for whatever um, we need. We're here to serve you all. It doesn't matter what I have to say. It matters what you all need, okay? So also in my world, I've got another child with more mental health, gender issues, brilliant, talented. I've been through all kinds of, of uh, counseling, uh, understanding with my Saxton. I'm a recovering codependent myself, um, a single parent. Their dad, we were divorced forever. Their dad has passed recently. So grief and trauma on my horizon. My boy, John, who you're gonna see, all right? He's, he's changed what I do with my world. Um, he tells me basically every other day that he doesn't want to be with me. He wants to be with his dad who's, and I say, okay, sweetie, do you need a hug? Um, you know, once somebody goes to heaven, they don't really come back. Right. So, and puberty. So, and COVID and uh, learning differences, every learning inefficiency that there is. So this is a big old pile of goo. Right. And I just want to share with you, and I'm going to be skipping over a lot of slides. 
I'm just going to give you the highlights. Each of the, about every 10 slides is a two hour workshop, but just that with, these are all factors, plus or minus, that your families, you, you and your home, <laughs> you're dealing with. And then you take the same stuff to the school and they have their versions of psychology goo, right? And we're all trying to work together because it's the kids learning what the child, what your child needs for their best learning strengths. The school district doesn't care what you want as a parent. They're going to care what best serves. And this is your vocabulary is what best serves your children's learning strengths. Okay. We could talk about phonetic awareness and language processing. We could talk about O10 Gillingham. We could talk about phonemes and graphemes and working memory and vocabulary and executive functioning. But then I'd really put you to sleep. I'll be glad to do this after market, after, I mean, after here at the lunch hour QA. It's all on the website with the blog and the ebooks and the workshops and the podcasts. So again, we take a deep breath and we realize what we're trying to do is help our kids have a great adult life. That's what our goal is. So when we're not here anymore, we don't have to worry. We can die in peace. The goal of today is so you can die in peace. How about that? <laughs> um, here's a model that uh, we have on uh, your child. We start with the learning machine. Then we add in self-directed learning. We work on their behavior, their self-regulation, their self-direction, their self-control. Oh, their motivation. Do they do it because you're standing over them with a bribe? Or do they do this because it's building their character and how they feel about themselves when no one is looking? And yeah, what's the social emotional learning thing we talk about? All right, there's 20 minutes right there in fast track. What are some tools from the OT standpoint that you would take into your parent presentation? Carrie said it. Amanda said it. Um, these are all things that we've done. Um, not every family might be able to have the resources to do, do this. It's one of the reasons that it's documented for families. So they can at least try the tools or know about them or save them on the research or prioritize what they're going to use for interventions. Interactive metronome. Nye House. What is dyslexia? What is dysgraphia? What is dyscalculia? Um, scientific spelling, family literacy network, all these things have about have a story, but we're going to skip past that. Please know that we'll be delighted to stay, delighted to answer your questions. This stuff's documented elsewhere, rightslaw.com. This is a husband-wife lawyer combination. They do workshops. Um, Usha and I have been to it before. Um, Great, fantastic information. The one sentence book report is we want to be charming. When the LEA, the local education authority sees us coming, they don't want to say, we do not want them to say or think, oh God, here comes Gail. No, no, no. We want them to say, awesome. Here comes a parent who just like you are, when you walk into your ARD or you prepare for your ARD or you go do anything with the school, they want to see you coming and say, wow, that is an engaged parent. That's a parent that's going to walk the walk. They aren't just talking. They aren't expecting us, the LEA, the school, to solve their problems. This is a parent who loves their kids so much that we're, they're not giving up. And these are all the things that they're doing. And we just sure cannot lose momentum around here, right, teachers? That's what we want them to think when they see you coming. I mentioned from the legal standpoint, the mind-numbing ARD, the legal process that is the IEP, that is the admission. 
review dismissal source, ARD. Check out your code uh, uh, section seven. If it says code 44, I was given away my kids opportunity for curricular least restrictive environment. I was telling the school, sure, it's okay with me. Stick that kid in a corner. It's all right. Yes, it's called specialized instruction. However, if your child is motivated by neurotypical peers, then putting them over there, away from everybody else that's over there, then that segregation and my kid is just going to be a little robot and he's going to be a never more frustrated little robot. Like he was about the time I knew we were done with full-time ABA. It was time to evolve. It was time to apply it. So what we're about to go into is a lot of different ways that you can apply it. A lot of other resources. And I, I apologize if this makes you dizzy. It's not meant for that. It's meant to let you know there is so much resource and information available that all of these words, yeah, they'll put you to sleep, but the ones at the bottom are the best, multiple intelligences, intrinsic motivation, self-directed learning, clarify what you're not con conflicting with it's your, it's your, with your LEA. I did that the first year after the three meetings and we were just like, boom, 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 boom. And, and so I finally put a cover page on the parent presentation that said, let's make a list of the things that we're not fighting about, okay? so. Anyway, there's a long legal process. Carrie is far more the expert on that. And we're going to skip over this. I'm going to just let you, you can have every one of these pages. You see all this stuff? I just put you to sleep. Not my intention. Great background. Essential background. But where I have an example here is where we put, this is a page from John's ever-evolving parent presentation. You as a parent have the legal right to get your side of the story out Yes, you can bring the child into the yard. Or I'll show you a picture here of the first years where I just put his picture on the table. And I had it covered up with post-it notes of all the interventions that we were doing. And all you could see was his little eye sticking out. So they said, oh, I guess you want to do, you want to show something here, Gail, don't you, before we started? Because usually your parent presentation is after the mind-numbing, sitting through, wordsmithing page by page then you get to go last because it's not their intention to be devious, but it's just that they get to say their stuff first. And then they're kind of hoping because it's an efficient organization, right? It's a business. They want to just get you to sign. Okay, done. Goodbye. But we're here to say you got your side of the story and you can do your parent presentation, submit it to them five or more days prior what fair, fair give and play, right? They want, they should be giving you their stuff five days prior or more, ditto, roundabout. Um, you get to do your parent presentation before you sign. I always send mine stuff in. They predetermine, they have their meetings, that's fine. I put all the hard words on the pages. Um, I'm prepared if I have to say the hard words face to face, but it's much easier to put the hard words you no longer get to be that soft and gushy parent that shows up and everybody's happy, slappy stuff. You now are in a business negotiation with your LEA and it hurts. There's shame. I had to get past all of that shame for a year or two or three thinking, you know, my kid's never going to make it. He can't measure up. But once I finally got my head out of the dark and out in the light, it made things a lot easier. You just go business mode. Okay. I tell if I'm talking to a mom, I'm going to tell them, please. And forgive me for the word, 
please take a penis in with you. Okay. Take a man, take the gardener, take somebody in there with you. So you, you have that. It's, 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 it's a sad truth, but you, you'll get more. You'll it's, it's worth it. <laughs> okay. So this is a page out of our parent presentation. Um, what does it mean here? Okay. I'm going to skip on because my intention is to give you lots of ideas. Remember tip of the iceberg. Okay. We'll answer the questions. The questions are already somewhere on our website. When I say our, I mean our teams for getting sorted. You also have all the resources that are para. They gave you a ton of great technical backgrounds. Again, I'm saying it over, but we want to give you ideas on what do you do with all that information? Okay, so um, that me back up for a second. So this is a very important law. You need to know what this law is. Then there was a, another one that was more broad for ADA, which is for all people with disabilities. But when you see purple in these pages, it's based on a lot of the law, which is your child's legal right, which is translated to your parents' legal right to present what best serves your child's learning strengths. Erase from your vocabulary what you want. That phrase, get rid of it. Don't say school, say LEA. Don't say, I wish my kid was with other kids. Say curricular least restrictive environment. Practice, curricular LRE. Practice these words in a mirror until they just come off your mouth, tongue, your tongue, just like that. So when you show up, you have the confidence of the vocabulary. You have the confidence of what your child is going to need, that you are the one that's going to help them get that. Because if you don't, if you don't do it for your child, who's gonna? Nobody. Oh, we got another, somebody just came in. Okay. All righty. So goals. And again, each of these could be another long conversation. Here's one of the pages from John's parent presentation. And I edit this every year. Um, what is he best motivated by? Your child's page could look different. I'm glad to let you have mine and you can edit it as you wish. Think about what your child is motivated by and tell the school, give them the answers. You are just as much the most important person in that room as the principal. So when I took my kid's picture in with just his little eyeball sticking out and all those post-it notes, I put that picture right in front of the most important person in the room, the principal. And I took a post-it note, I put it on the table, and I said this, speech, karate, whatever, sunny school, whatever, 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 whatever. So pretty soon they had like a half a table full of these bright pink post-it notes and the picture. And it's like, okay, all right, I want you all to know what my kid, who my kid is. Do that. Let them know who your child is, the child you have at home. They might know the child that they have at school if you've got some track record with them. Like, I don't know John, the John who goes to McCullough Junior High, the kid that's in eighth grade. I don't know that kid who's there. I only know the kid who he transforms into when he comes back home. So that's the partnership. And I even tell them, I don't presume to be the expert on John when he's in your world, but this is what we're doing and um, we're going to work together. Okay. So this is the page I put in. The, the one that I just showed you. I'll say, again, I'm, I know I'm making you dizzy and I apologize for that. Um, we only have 45 minutes left, but we got the whole day too. Okay. So I put this parent present, this parent statement in. Some of these come from um, Karen Meyer Cunningham. Bless you, Karen. Some of these ideas come from Robin Reddy. Bless you. Some of them come from Rights Law. Bless you. A constant stream of conferences and parents and books and hard knocks and and crying in the car when you're there by yourself. I mean, that's me basically about every other day. It's okay. It's a great way to reduce stress. 
And my kids know I cry. All right. Um, but that's all right, too. So here's a parent statement. Put something like that in your parent presentation. What your child, what your goals are for your child when they're out of the school system, because you don't want to give away stuff. You've got you've got a lot. Don't give away. Don't leave money on the table. Is that the phrase? And then I put the law in. I don't try to hit them over the head with it like a two before, but it's there. And we can talk law if you want. Um, I just embed it in the pages. What's your mission statement for your child's life? Okay. And here's some words. Borrow them. That's fine. Poach them. That's fine. I've borrowed them from other people or I put them in. Put your kid's name in those spots. Put this in your parent presentation. But own this. This idea today for you is to, to own what you're doing. When you walk into that R, you own that room. You own that process. You own your parent presentation. All right. Here's some other pages of um, that go in. And yeah, it's, it's a long document, but that's okay. I just keep adding to the front of it. All right. I freely share it. I'm sure the school system knows I freely share it. Positive psychology, right? Okay. Rights law says be charming. Rights law, there's two people, they have books, they have a website, they're genius, they're parents. Um, so just capitalizing on what they talked about is, remember, honey, you want to catch more flies with honey, right, than with vinegar. So remember that. Another thing is you want to water the flowers, you don't want to water the weeds. Now, that's got a million applications at home, at school, and every place in between. Just Again, we're just hitting the tips of the icebergs, all right? I can spend 20 minutes on this if I'm doing a workshop, but we don't have the time. Someday we will, you and I, all of us together, right? All right, then the other thing is, first you name it, and then you put a boundary on it. So John, my son John, John, that's called stemming. Now, if you all know what stemming is, that's when you a child does something, or anybody does something repetitive, usually monotonous, it's either to help them soothe, calm, or it's to get under mom's skin, <laughs> I think. I think he does have to get under my, under my skin, but that's fine because it's, he's two different kids. He's one kid at school and he's another kid with, with home, right? But anyway, no matter what you're doing, it's ABA. Do y'all see that? We don't go to ABA anymore, but I use it every day with him. <laughs> right, Amanda? <laughs> every day. Right, Carrie? So first you name it and then you put a boundary on it. John, that's called stemming. Or now that we're in puberty. John, that's called playing with your privates. You can do that in your room. John, that's called stemming. You can do that in your room, set the boundaries. John, um, that's called a lollygagging in the morning and you hit your mom and that's called, I'm not gonna walk you to the bus, have a great day, I love you forever, I'll see you when you get home, we'll start over again. That was our morning, okay. We want your child to feel empowered, not only for you to feel empowered and not afraid of the ARD process, be it Zoom, be it face-to-face -face or any hybrid. We want you to feel empowered at the same time you give power to your child so they can feel empowered and they can take responsibility. I talk to parents and even, even if their kid is second grade, that kid needs to feel their power and they need to feel the full responsibility for the natural consequences of their, of their decisions. All right. Okay. That's a 10 minute, 15 minute talk right there. Gratification, right? Don't we all wish we could just get in the elevator, press the goal we want, boom, hit the button off of the floor. We're done. Don't we wish we could lose that COVID-15, COVID-20, COVID-30? But uh-uh, that's not how life works, right? So I need to teach my kid and you need to teach your kids that life is not instant gratification, get in the elevator and get where you want. It's learning, practicing, learning, practicing, learning, 
practicing, developing those good neural pathways, those good habits, so that when you're not in the picture anymore, they'll have a great adult life toward executive functioning, toward building good habits, having a job, having a family, um, getting their taxes paid, right? Um, too many of our kids get that school to prison pipeline and we're not even touching mental health. That's another bunch of hours. Okay, and with fancy word, they call it comorbid. Use fancy words in the art, that's fine. Comorbid means more than one diagnosis, more than one thing going on at a time with your kid. All right, most of our kids have a comorbid situation, which just means that it's not just one Band-Aid, not one little tiny thing we're gonna change and oh, great, my kid's behaving neurotypically now, nothing else to worry about. Okay, so if we were talking about positive behavior redirects, if we were talking about trauma-informed, those are big words, lots of, 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 lots of iceberg below the, below the surface of the water. But just to realize redirects are, should be humorous. They should not be shaming. I use humor every time I can think of it with John. We start over more times than you would wanna know. I apologize to my kid if I screw up. If I let my anger get into it. I, if I let my fright get into it now, this could also apply to our kids, right? But sometimes we got to turn the mirror back on ourselves and say, who's, who's raising the temperature in the room here. You know, if it's my fleeing a situation, right. Or freeze is great when I want to share that just for a second. So let's say that you're having interaction with, with someone, your child, and your child is just standing, looking at you and you're thinking, awesome. We're in an ABA situation, you got it, great. And all of a sudden, blah, something happens. Freeze just thawed and freeze picked something else <laughs> as a reaction, okay. Trauma-based TBRI, uh, I'm sorry, trust-based relational intervention. Um, one minute book report there is, what is the need behind the behavior? So if your child is approaching a need at school for a BIP, a behavior intervention plan, you really would like to avoid that. I've had a teacher tell me, listen, if your kid does not need a BIP at school, don't go for it. A BIP is just a reminder to the school that your kid's a behavior problem. So we don't want that because that's a bias and we don't want that. Okay, and as far and then remembering your own psychology, your own self-help, your own in the flow, and your own personal boundaries as a parent, a parent professional, an advocate, someone who's working, got wearing every hat that there is, right? That if we watch our self-care, so if I'm depressed, I'm in the past. If I'm anxious, I'm in the future. And if I'm with you right now, mindful, we're here in the present together. How's our flow working, right? And so now we're going to switch to another problem. I had a problem because of something that someone said that should never have been in a position to help poor, fragile, broken parents of a two-year-old kid moving from ECI to the school district. And this terrible school administrator should be working in a prison or a reform school. But she was there talking to all of us parents. It broke my heart. I end up in the back of the outside in the dark, crying in the bushes. This was such a long time ago. My low point is a parent. Enough. But silver lining, if that hadn't happened, if they had taken good care of him and done the right thing, like I find I found eventually a second diagnostician to do it the right way. You, you don't have to go with the first one you get. You can call back and say, I want a different diagnostician. I don't want that person. And then you hang up the phone and you go, oh, please, dear God, I may just have sunk us all. 
it worked out great. You can ask for someone else in this, within the school system. But if that hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Sometimes we, our, our scars become our power, okay? And remember that with your kid as you help your child. If it's a bad day when they come home today, talk with them. Listen, don't try to persuade them. Listen, that's the best thing that we can do toward their mental health is let them burp all over us and validate them, validate their value, validate, yes, it's hard. Let me listen. You're a smart kid. I believe in you. Help them get past their shame. All right, I told you about this already. Okay. I do some other version of that, but that was back in the early days. It totally worked. Um, all right, so I'm going to show you pictures here. Let's see how much time we're down to. We got, does anybody have any questions? I know I'm going way too fast here. I know we won't get to all the pages, but you can have them all. Any questions? Okay, always okay to interrupt me. I'm showing you now pictures. These are in the parent presentation. Some of them are different years because we all have, I, I marked down the ages of the children, grandchildren that, we're, that you're serving. It's just to give your mental juices some ideas, some pictures. If you're a, if you're a, a visual thinker, what could this look like? How do I inform? How do I do what Carrie told me to do? How do I do what Amanda said to do? How, how, how does that, what could that look like? Okay, so here's a bunch of pictures I take in his afterworld, and then I put them in the yard, and then there's a sentence, a paragraph, a reason that goes with it. So every one of these is a story, right? And so I've got 12 years of John's stories to share with them, but you can't do it all at once, right? We share with our friends. So my friend Barbara Knighton has got a different set of issues her child is dealing with. I do not know about a visually impaired child. I do not know about a medically fragile child. I don't know about a child who almost died at childbirth. It's a, my kid's different, right? And so for me to, to learn from other people, here's what her ideas were when we did a panel. We've done for years of building a positive art experience and we would invite different ISDs special ed people to come in. We can't do that right now, but we've had some really good, they're not recorded because that was before the day of Zoom. Um, but uh, anyway, these are some of Barbara's ideas. They're for you to have. You can have all these pages. A page that I put in the parent presentation for John and I adapt it each year is that what is your vision for your child? Tell them, do you know what it is? Think about it. Yeah, maybe he's, if he's only three years old and you're going, oh, I got all the time in the world. Yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> now he's 14. And now he wants hair. Mom, do I have hair yet? He goes, Mom, hair. Do I have hair yet? He's watching high school musicals. So we've gone from Inside Out and, and um, Blue's Clues to now high school musical. And your kid's going to keep evolving. And you're going to want to stay a half a step ahead. And you're going to want to talk to all those parents of all those kids who are a half a step of where you are or more than. Time goes by faster than we think. All right. So, hey, Gail, I've got yeah. a. This is Carrie. So, I've got a, a strategy for parents out there because it, it's um, thinking about what you want your your children to do as they kind of progress and go forward. So, like for awesome. example, you've got you know graduate from college, lifelong learning. Um, sounds like John's about to be in high school next year. So, one of the strategies or things that parents can do is looking at where you want your kid to be, look at the criteria it takes to be there. So for example, um, if it's you want your kid to be, maybe they're in high school now and you want them to go to college. So I tell parents to, well, look at what the, uh, what the 
minimum requirements or skill set is what the, what your child needs to know in order to get into that college. Maybe it's a HCC VAS, maybe it's you know a particular program, a, a, a skills-based program, and look at because all those programs are going to have some requirements, right? The things that your child has to know. HCC VAS, so they have to re be reading at least at a second or third grade level. And so again, different different people have different abilities. But if your child is not performing at those levels yet, then that becomes incorporated into your child's IEP goals, right? It's because, well, John might only be in eighth grade now, but we want him to be up here and that's going to require him to have this, 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 and this because he can't gain admission to Houston Community College or, or this trade school at Texas State Technical or whatever, unless he knows these things. So school district, I'm letting you know five years in advance that these are the things you need to have him prepared for. And then when you incorporate that in with the ARD and, and his IEP and his goals, now that becomes um, just more solidified, right? And so thinking long-term is great because then you get buy-in from the schools like, well, here's the reason why we have to have, why he has to have um, some of these just social functional goals like the ability to get around and, and, and uh, use public transportation, his ability to use money, money management, and you know, do all these other things. Because remember, our committee, his goal, we have a post-secondary goal for him to live independently and, and do these programs. So it's okay for you to kind of, it's almost like you're thinking backwards, right? If you want your kid to go here, then take the requirements for being here and share that with the art and have them incorporate that in IEP goals. Absolutely. As, absolutely. Great. Thank you, Carrie. Anybody else got a question or a comment? Y'all want to, it's a great way to re, re, um, refresh your mind to, <clears throat> you know, um, reset the brain. Okay, great. All right, moving on. So here's another page of stuff. Um, a little bit of law down in the bottom left-hand corner. Um, uh, the frogs or metacognition. Meta means me. Cognition, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about my thinking. And so the idea is for our kids that we want them to have metacognition and put that in the R. Those teachers learn that word once, you know, they'll go, oh man, listening to something. Um, we want them for self uh, control. We want these skills for emotional self-regulation, right? You don't want your child to have a BIP really. If you can, if, he, if they can uh, function without one, we don't want to give them ever more reasons to have a bias against um, it's one of the reasons why I've been skipping some of the really tough nail, trying to nail down butter testing with John is that he had um, a, a very poor set of testing uh, uh, procedures in pre-K. So he came in with a really lousy number according to their testing. And I kept seeing IQ of 41 in the yard over and over. And I said, y'all, this, that was all a predetermination, a port, it was wrong testing. And they said, well, hey, oh, no, none of us here think John's got an IQ of 41. I said, okay, well, why is it in the R three times? And I said, all right, let's put a paragraph in here that as of this date, no one in the LEA thinks that John's number is that. So we're going to quit saying it. And um, then I put research in about how uh, IQ is not, if you have an autism spectrum diagnosis, a IQ test does not give you a full view of the kid. We all agree John's not stuck. We all, everybody in your kid's ARD would love, wouldn't that be awesome? We all agree that your child, Susie, 
is not stuck in their learning. Okay, let's move on. And I talked with the Diags about why I'm in no hurry to have you all have bias against a child. If they slap an IDD label on, which he doesn't have that yet, it's an A word. It's just the A word. We don't have the IDD word yet there. So what we're pushing for is less services, more curricular, least restrictive environment, more resource, the academic piece. I'm all about the academics. Well, if you're in specialized instruction, you're at this world, okay? And the rest of the world is like up here. And so everything like Carrie just said is that if his goal is to get into Lone Star College system and we're struggling with, we can't pass the TSI, okay, we got to change up something, right? Star is not the end of it all. The star alt isn't the end of it. There's lots of other stuff that comes. So anyway, okay. So these are some pages. We're going to skip over this. This is all great, wonderful stuff. You know, it'll... Here's um, a, a quote I put in about IQ testing, and then I also had a page about some research. All right, and when you see the red example, that means it's in the it's in the, the parent presentation. All right, so here's great. Um, uh, here, here's some information about codes. All right, it's section seven. They 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 get more money for certain codes, right? Um, they, they want to have the kid present because they get the money from the state per day per diem but they also get more money for John um, services from the state because he's a code 44 instead of a code 40. I would like him to be a code 40, which means full inclusion. Code 44 gives him 100% not inclusion. And then there's variations in between. Please, dear God, know what your codes are. Look at your section seven, okay? Be, be aware, you might not get the code you want. I went through an elaborate process of figuring out numbers of minutes of the day, and then we changed the math. That was a lot of what the first year was. But anyway, more information. I put this in there. I just want them to know that I know it. You want them to know that you know this. All right. It doesn't actually. Go ahead. Sorry, Gail. Scary again. So in your, if on your ARD, your IEP, if you want to know what, what Gail's talking about, the, the code, it's going to be called the instructional setting. And then there there's, will be the number. It's either a 40 or 43 or 44. So it's the instructional setting. That number is what you're looking for. And it relates to how your child is motivated. If your child is motivated by whatever, then, then, then use that. I happen to know, I only know one kid's motivation. I know my kid, right? <laughs> I know what he's motivated by and what he's not motivated by. So that's a powerful tool that I use throughout my conversation with them. Your child will be an entirely different person. Okay. Letters of commendation. Both Amanda and Carrie mentioned this. I was, I went around and got letters from everybody. I took pictures. I blacked them out. When I do workshops, I black them out so that, you know, for protection of privacy. And this is back in the early days when we did scouts. And each year there's new letters, new photographs, and I put them on the front. So the document just keeps getting bigger and bigger. All right. And from a worship standpoint, you know, I know separation of church and state, but we're talking about academic settings. If our goal was, if my goal for John was more academic, curricular, least restrictive, then I want to show them all the places where academics fit into his life outside of school and how well he does and why he's not stuck in his learning. Okay. Private interventions. Um, Carrie mentioned this. Amanda mentioned this. I've been doing this too. I list all the things. This is what we do. Each year it gets tweaked to be something different. And you know, you all can recall the ARD more often than once a year. It's once a year at a minimum. But if you need to recall it, you do have that option. Okay. Um, 
So um, another page huh, of some of the uh, non-school academic interventions. Um, I blacked out the pictures, but to the when I do it to the school, they're real pictures. I just do this if I'm out in public with somebody else's kids, unless I take pictures from the back, right? All right, so this was in there. I've showed you this once before. I'll put, so again, another page in there. And my first year was the, the most uh, nailed down with them. I've been less nailed down in subsequent years, but really LRE is a really important thing um, for each of the kids that you all mentioned here with a variety of diagnoses and a variety of ages. For my son, John, if all he sees is someone just like him, then he's gonna be just like he is. And then we haven't gained anything, all right? So I want him, I say, John, that sounds like a monkey, all right? Now, I'm not saying you say this to your child, but when it's just mom and John, and I'm out of all my other best practices of redirects, I'll get, I'll say, John, this is not the zoo, okay? <laughs> and then I'll laugh, I'll make a joke, or I'll pull in some line from Karate Kid, and I'll say, hey, Dre, no face. Because we love the movie Karate Kid. And there's a million wonderful applications, especially the second half of the movie. Jackie Chan, second half of the movie. Uh, the movie Inside Out, lots of great applications. There's lots of great applications out of high school musicals, believe it or not. So I'm going to redirect with trust-based relational intervention. I'm going to help him realize his own self-regulation and that humor and okay, I shouldn't be making that choice. I say, John, look at the girls go into the classroom, match, look at the teacher, follow the teacher, listen to the teacher, but match the girls. So classic ABA, match, right? We use that all the time, match the silverware coming out of the, the, the clean dishwasher, chores. I talk about chores all the time. Match it to the over here, classic ABA, right, Amanda? Get the silverware out of the, the, the dishwasher into the right place. I don't just say, oh yeah, just throw it in. Well, I might be able to eventually as I backward chain, but in the, and we're still right now, sometimes, hey, John, that doesn't match. We use ABA forever. Okay. Um, sometimes in the pages that you get in your R, there's going to be something that's going to just break your heart. So I go and I highlight it and then I put a bunch of verbiage in and then I put the law in. And so this was the year where we had to have four R's, all right? Um, I had to earn their respect. After that, they actually let me do the parent presentation first. I guess they realized that I was gonna hold my ground because I had to actually stand up and I said, okay, well, we'll just table this art and we'll make it another day. And they said, no, 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 sit back down, sit back down. This is the hard part about the business negotiation because you want to have that warm fuzzy about, oh yeah, I'm just like every other PTO parent walking in and everybody's love, love, love. And the truth of it is, is no, you may be business negotiation right now, okay? You got to get past that. Flush your emotions, have a good cry before you go in, have somebody kick you under, kick you under the table if you start to emote in the yard, or say, excuse me, I'm going to go to the bathroom, time out, I'm coming back. Breathe, it's going to be okay. Your kid's not dead yet. They still have neural pathways. They are a gift to you. They have a reason to be here. We're spiritual people, right? I'm a spiritual person. I know every day that there's, a, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know that work that angels have for me to do because of the two kids I've got. There is never a doubt in my mind. And there should never be a doubt in your mind about your child's multiple intelligences, about their purpose for being here, about the lessons that they're teaching the world, about the time and history that they're here. So we have to just breathe. Okay. 
What is what is the motivators here? Your motivator is a parent, my motivator, the teacher's motivators, the AP, the principal. What motivates everybody in the room? You're back to the psychology, that big old pot of honey. Um, not phony, be real. But what is it that in this sense of cooperation, let's not forget psychology, right? Let's think about, okay, let's see, not everybody's going to be rewarded by a uh, by your uh, reward or your reward. Everybody's got different reward systems. So let's think about that. And let's not forget to always tell them what motivates your child. So this is a page we that I put in uh, evidently more than once. <laughs> okay. And then I, you like the graphics, right? And then I have another page of stuff. This was all about math here on touch math and back when we were doing touch math, but uh, I do a change up pitch in the workshops, a change up pitch in the art. You know, it's like you're trying to keep their brains, the administrators of the art, their brains active too. Okay. Again, hit that hard. What's, what's your child's responsibilities at home? List of chores. What's your child's motivators at home? Show them. This is what we do to bring our half to the negotiation table, to the collaboration table, to the win, win, win scenario table. Okay. And some more stuff from scouts. I, I don't, I, I, it's a little bit of everything. So you don't want them to think that you're belaboring or monot, monot, um, um, when you're um, monotonizing, monetize, monopolize, monopolizing their time, but you want that you don't want to leave any stone unturned. Okay. So first you name it and then you set the boundary. You water the flowers instead of the weeds. You, you want to turn over every stone, but they're pretty smart people. So I don't have to do 10 pages on one topic. I can kind of maybe do one page per topic or two topics per page, but I will cover all the stones. All right. So here's some more martial arts, million reasons why it's fantastic. Um, executive functioning midline crossover. Um, here's another page that's in the, the presentation. Um, I put the links. So this is more to share with you all some other locations of wonderful support data information. Um, resources for you. Um, and then here was a page that I put in. I took out the, the, the sticky, it was a sticky wicket. And I took out the, the, the hard conversation. Um, but I'm asking them in the R, this is up on the wall of session two of th the first year that I did this. So I don't understand this, y'all. Please explain this. They might count on you being overwhelmed, rushing to the signature. And then you have buyer's remorse the next morning or when you get home. So don't do that to yourself. If you don't understand something, say, could you please explain that again? Smile, be charming. All right, so we always wanna keep, as Carrie said, long range in mind. Use your abbreviations. They all know what LRE is, believe me. You don't have to spell it out. They all know what LEA is. So act like you're one of them, put the law in there here and there, right? Use humor here and there, all right? Now, second session, I didn't like, we had to edit some of these things, all right? They said for language arts, they were gonna work on, maybe it's not this page, maybe it's another one. They were gonna work on um, job applications. And I said, no, you're not. You're gonna work on essay writing for Lone Star College. You see, you gotta, you gotta think about their, your kid's future, right? And um, they have standard boilerplate, but it's not going to be good enough for your child because you got to look at it as a unique 
learn them, all right? OG based is Oten Gillingham based. Let them know you know who Oten Gillingham is. Their best practices on anything that's language processing. If our kids have missed curriculum, if our kids got pulled out when everybody else was talking about phonics, there's lots of reasons why developmental delay has holes in their learning for our kids. So we work on plugging those holes. So you understand when you're, you understand the vocabulary of all that. And I'll give you a quick start if you want. Um, and these are all the ways that we're working on that. And I show the school this and I let them know, okay, so we don't have a label of dyslexia on John, but we know for sure, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, dyslexia. These are areas, it's reading, it's language arts processing, it's handwriting and it's math. Reading, writing, arithmetic, right? Holes in your learning, developmental delay. He's not stupid, he's just behind. It's developmental delay, we're getting there, we're not stuck. So don't let them do that to your child, okay? Always humor, always funny, always proactive. And then um, the pages of the ARD, uh, if you need to come back and say something about it, if it's too hard to say it in person, if it's too overwhelming in the moment, say, I need to think about this tonight and let's reschedule and let's, let's go over this again because this is your chance to wordsmith a complex, mind-numbing, emotionally draining document that hits you in your gut. It's your visceral being, and it's about your child. And they're talking about him like he's a laboratory rat, right? Not in, not in a bad way, but it's just the nature of their beast. So it's your job to humanize this. It's your job to say, wait, 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 why is that? Is that a predetermination? Well, come on, y'all not making predeterminations, right? Oh, so here's some other letters of recommendation. Each year I get new letters from whoever is in John's life. I put those in. I make sure they get this stuff at least a week ahead of time. I, I actually snuck, some, uh, not snuck, I, I, I thought about something about sports and curricular LRE and I sent it in only two days in advance and it put them into a tizzy. You know, they said, gosh, you only gave us, us two days. So, and I said, I apologize. I just want y'all to know it. I thought of something after I'd sent it in. So please add this to the deliberations. And they did. We do fast forward with OT. We've got a lot of, of inter, interlinking um, uh, interventions that we do. All right, and um, then I take the analysis. So I was talking, Usha and I were talking yesterday about some of these outside school that uh, um, app driven. So this is all for language processing, auditory processing, phonetic awareness, retelling the story. Um, it's app delivered and it comes from our OT oversight. So it, I chose it because it comes with analytics and I can then print them and send them into the LEA. So they're getting all of these analytics. Now, do they know what it means? No. Do they care? I don't know. But do they realize that I'm aware? Yeah. Do they realize that he's doing it? Yeah. That's all we care about right now at the minimum. De minimis, use this word. It comes from a Supreme Court case. Carrie knows this well. She could explain it better than I can, but I love to say it. It's not enough that your child gets the de minimis, right, Carrie? You want to pipe in on that? Yeah, so de minimis is, yeah, it's just something like it sounds, you know, minimum, right? Something very small. It's, um, it, it, it's um, you, your your child is is entitled to what is uh, appropriate um, use words in, from the curricular side of things rigorous you know teachers like that so you are advocating for for something um, 
that's appropriate, but still challenging for your child. Yes, yes. And so throw that in there every once in a while, a little Latin into your R, it'll, they'll go, oh, de minimis, yikes, Supreme Court case. Yeah, right. Not the minimum. Okay. So this was, this actually, this is the page here where they had, they were going to do for language art processing, writing, oh, handwriting, dysgraphia, um, dysgraphia, dys, can't do it, graphia, writing, uh, dyslexia, hard to read, dyscalcula, can't handle math, my brain's not wired for it. It's just their fancy big educator word for your child's neural wiring is brain, her brain wiring is just atypical. It's diverse. It's neurally diverse. So neurodiversity, right? Um, it's still there. It's not absent. It's not a black hole vacuum. It's just different. It's not set up to succeed in the cookie cutter world that was set up years ago for public education to build factory workers. That's what our kid, that's what the public school system was designed for is to produce factory workers. All right. My kid probably isn't going to be a top factory worker. So you got to get a little creative here. And they want that. They're actually up against institutional constraints. A good teacher knows that there's a better way to do it. All of you guys who have been educators, you know that. But then somebody's in charge. And sometimes you got to fit in if you don't want to lose your job. So be that person, be that parent that says, hey, guys, y'all know this in your heart of hearts. We know that. You just can't say it out loud. But you know that this is right. Okay. Anyway, they wanted him to, I said, no, you're not going to just work on job applications. What about essays? Let's practice that. And it, by the way, this is what we're practicing in our own world. And I take it, we practice language arts and language processing and phonetic awareness. When we go to a restaurant, if he wants to go wash it, he loves to go to the bathroom. Love hate relationship with the loud noises toward independence. This is a number of years ago, right? And I said, oh, John, you want to go use the bathroom? Yeah, good. Well, you need to earn it. You need to finish your, your list. <laughs> So I, I leveraged the list against him going to the bathroom. Hey, you know, use what you need. Okay, so anyway, edit this, put it up on the wall, come back and work with them. So you get these, you get what you want on these pages. All right. You're the attorney. I mean, you're your own little version of an attorney here. Okay, when math comes up, I chose elephant math because it comes in on a nap. I tried touch math, but we realized then he's got reading issues and mom just is dying here, all this home stuff, and he's not responding well. So let's go to an app delivered thing with analytics. The best I could find, elephant math, $35 a month, 25 minutes a day. It produces a lot of analytics. Each year I send it into them, letting them know, hey, you know, we're, and we're doing private tutoring through Texas Reading Institute, the Woodlands on math. We got holes in our math. We all know that. We got math fundamentals we're working on. But these are the words you can use. These are some of the tools you can use. There's lots of other tools, but th these, this is what I've chosen to use. Um, and we can talk more about it if you want. I'll tell you the price tags, what I'm paying, what I'm using, where we get it, why I chose it. Science. All right. Um, he had uh, some inclusion in resource because science labs aren't the fast pace that math is. It's applied math. It's not the fast pace that language arts is because he's not writing essays. He's writing in the lab book, but he's looking at the assignments. They're using the test tubes. So it's a lot of hands-on stuff. So for John, curricular LRE has been resource science. Now, do I hope that he earns more? Oh, yeah. And we're working on it as fast as 25-7, you know. Um, but uh, we're capitalizing on the, the special, it was um, a special ed certified teacher, but they were teaching gen ed and they wanted him. 
Find a teacher that wants your kid. And if he's, if your child's in a class that, that the teacher doesn't want them, him, her, they, whatever pronoun you're using, I use them all at my house with my elder one. Whatever, if that teacher doesn't want them, you say, let's let's find a teacher that has the, let's, uh, let's find a class structure that my child can thrive in. And sooner the better, right? Or you do that for next year's art. This is the this is the structure. You all know it because you've had John here at the school for years. The structure in which his learning is most positively reinforced, in which he thrives best with his learning. I don't tell him which teacher. I tell him the environment, what he needs. What does John need? Which they already know, right? Um, I don't want to get into politics. I don't want to get into favoritism. I don't want to. I don't want to get on their bad side. I'm trying to be charming. Remember, honey, not not the complaining stuff. Okay. So, but um, we've been very blessed. And I think it's because they know that he's really trying and he loves us. And you can tell it because you see the shininess in there. When you see the shiny in your kid's eyes, doesn't that turn your soul on, turn the fire on, your hair on fire? You see your kid, your grandkid, happy in the flow, wanting, proud of themselves, achieving. It's like they're finding their purpose in life right? And it's not just to get an A at school. It's for them to get turned on by whatever it is their brain is uniquely designed to thrive in. That's multiple intelligences. And they're not limited to just one area. Uh, Gardner wrote the book, revised the book. He lists eight areas, but you can have as many as you want. You're not limited. And neither is your child or your grandchild. Okay. So enough about that. But another good word to use, it's a good phrase, actually, two words, universal design big teacher speak word, that it means that if a class is well-designed, universally designed, it will serve every learner, every learner, no matter what the differences, no matter what the samenesses are, universal design is best practices for curriculum. Okay, um, we need to get the modeling. Um, I think, for my son, I he is legally entitled to it. You might not want that. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm showing you what I've done. Um, curricular LRE is vital for John to be able to meet the goals of living a good life when mom's not here anymore, okay? He needs to know what it looks like. Monkey see, monkey do, my house, baby. <laughs> so um, I let them know that. He needs the modeling in the neurotypical kids. So if he's down here, code 44 in total seclusion, just with the other kids that act just like him, we're missing something. And yes, I understand you've got your quandaries, LEA, of all your classes and all your helicopter parents. But you know what? We still got the law. We still got what's right. We still got what best serves his learning. So we have to take all of these quandary issues and we have to collaborate and we have to work together and he has to earn it and we have to work together. And it's called collaboration. And we're going to work together. Did you know that? Yeah, we're going to work together. Okay. So some more pages, um, oh, was this big red flag here? There was something about it. Oh, a behavior, oh dear. And, and I this, this is why I said he needs to have curricular LRE because we had a behavior going on. And I, I, this is, I gotta be careful here because this is um, a very uh, HIPAA kind of thing, very private. Somebody else was doing something and John was matching it and we had, oh boy, the wrong kind of behaviors. And so I had to press this button. This is a hot button here. And I had to say it. And this was up on the wall in the yard. And they didn't like it. And they've talked about it ever since. But it's the truth. All right. If it's too hard to say it, put it on the paper. It'll be up on the wall. All right. You won't have to. Okay. You move on. 
Um, I, I post a lot to social media about inclusion and the joy. And here I do, I've done a whole thing on the big kid bus. So transportation is an issue. We count it as curricular LRE social emotional learning. And I had to really, we had to backward chain all through elementary and I proved it to them. And I said, Hey, we get to middle school. We're doing the big kid bus. They said, Oh no, bullying, fear, fear. I said, not, nah, we'll take the risk. And it's been a huge positive thing for John. And so I do these series hashtag third kid or first kid or, and um, we backward chained. I wrote blog posts about it. Okay. Moving on. Music is important. Um, fine arts. I found out John could sing. I didn't know he could sing. He was sitting at uh, Chick-fil-A with a bunch of kids every Friday afternoon. I'd pick up a car full of neurotypical friends. We'd go over to Chick-fil-A and hang out for a while. They're singing Christmas songs. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And I'm thinking, John can sing? And so it got him into choir as soon as possible at school. Mixed choir. Every kid gets in if you try, if you work, if you do good choices. He, he with his peers and with himself and his own motivation and the power of music. So here's how that's research right there of all the ways that music turns on the brain in more ways than anything else does. So John earns this and he's out there in the Astros singing the national anthem, you know, and his behavior matches the neurotypical peers. And he's going in and out of loud cacophonous tunnels and on and off buses. And and it's yeah, he's out of his he's out of the uh, um, specialized instruction world. He needs it. He wants it. He's earning it. So here we go. Music. And we did this, right? So there's the pictures and we talk about that and that fits into the band and the choir and earning it and wanting it and what we do with our own money and our own time so that he shows up prepared as possible for you all, you LEA, you wonderful LEA, you. Okay, band camp, um, he went off, not this, but last, right, COVID. Um, uh, and uh, bye mom, off he went. And then I picked him up at the end of the day and there was some performances and there was some output. So I show him, I take him down to U of H. Bye, bye John. And off he goes. Risk-taking pays off. It's in the yard. He's in band right now. Can he earn it in high school? I don't know. I say, John, see those kids marching? They're working harder than you are. You're going to earn that? I tell him at the yard, what can we do for band, for fine arts, for music? We get in high school. Don't know, gal. We're not sure, you know, this is the woodlands. This is the perfect bubble. And I said, I understand. Let's figure out something, roadie, anything. And I tell John, dude, you're going to have to earn this, right? These are all yet to be determined. But this is key to the art I just went through two hours with for our ninth grade campus because how it stands right now, there's no curricular LRE and we are not going to sit tight for that at all. Basketball, sports, midline crossover, peer modeling, social emotional learning. That's a neurotypical Matt Bullard basketball camp. And we've been going to it for years and he's hanging. Now, is he the best? Is he showing up? Does he love it? Is it worth it? Okay. Faith. Neurotypical confirmation process. We got in a whole table of his little peers from school. We took all the, the memory verses, large font, each one. Is in, a, is in his own little plastic wrapper in the car. And every time we drive, he's, he's, you know, we're practicing. He's the first kid on our table to get all of his memory work done. Neurotypical memory work, neurotypical kiddos. And it's because we just kept added ABA every day, every day, ABA every day. We're going to do it in the car while we're driving to all of our other inclusions. Okay, so I put that in there. 
We do volunteer work at, with our media at our church. He's in there. He's got some real minor functions, but I put that in because it counts. It's an academic, quiet situation. He's there for three hours sitting in that control room, absorbing, doing whatever he can. The school needs to know that. We're thinking about what he wants for the future. When I did a self-assessment for John as a parent, it kind of comes up spiritual stuff. It kind of comes up music. It kind of comes up performing. He channels Mr. Bean. So, all right, that's where we're headed probably as an adult. Will he teach at Harvard? Maybe not. Will he be able to maybe instruct at a lower, at a, at a junior college level? Maybe. Could he love it? Yeah. All right. So let's put some practicality. What does this stuff look like? Show them that you're take it, you're walking the walk day by day by day with examples. All right. And then what's he motivated by? And then this is when we did, the church was online and he was really into it and caring about it. So I want them to know all these intimate things uh, private things, home life things. And I don't mind the loss of privacy because they're not going to know this about him unless I share with them, unless we're all open. And I'm so open with them at school. I talk about the oral stuff, right? The, the auditory processing, the, the motor planning, the, the joy, the modeling, the midline crossover, the loft, the lift, OT stuff. And so over the years, we've in, integrated sports into it. I-9 has been awesome. Anything to do with at the school level. Now, why? Why do they care? Because it addresses executive functioning, motor planning, auditory processing, joint attention, group problem solving, collaborative skills. Amanda said that when she said, well, they got to be able to sit still, right? They got to be able to be in the moment and pay attention, joint attention with teachers. Say joint attention to teachers. They love that. That's what they want. Then I said, hey, how come John's not in real PE? Why is he in fake PE? We've prepared for all this. Okay. He's in real PE now. Now he doesn't dress with all the boys in the locker room. I hear they do wild and crazy things. And they said, we're going to let him dress in the room, but he can go take regular PE. I said, fair enough. Compromise. Good deal. Awesome. Okay. Then we continue on with all of our after school. Uh, oh, wow. It's almost 11 o'clock. But I, so here's a book on puberty, right? He's paying attention. We're working on the teeth, the oral function, the oral motor, the oral sensory, any kind of a setting. I'm going to think of some way, let's see, how does that fit into teacher stuff? How does that fit into academic? And I'm going to send it to them. Okay. So I, to be fair and true, there's lots of other pages, but I have one minute till one o'clock, 11 o'clock. Um, I'll stay on. Um, I'm going to just stop sharing. We're at page 130. You want to know how many more we had? I mean, it's just like, oh my God, it goes on and on and on and on and on. But we know that we can't get to it all. Tips of the iceberg. But let's stop here. Please know that what's the most important part of your child's behavior? You. Very powerful. What's the most important component of, of the ARD? Your, your, you, when you walk in with your parent presentation, with what you built at home with your kid, with your willingness to collaborate, with your willingness to ask the questions, your willingness to show them that you appreciate them so much, they don't get appreciation. Are you kidding me? Who appreciates them? Let's let them know how much we appreciate them. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing. And um, uh, you can have all the pages, I think maybe in the afternoon, depending on how many people come, we could, I could give more examples about the present um, uh, uh, presenta uh, parent presentation, because it's ever more uh, for the older kids, because we've got a variety of ages. All right, I'm going to zip it, and y'all oh, come on and say what you want to say.
Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Hello. I have a question. I'm Kelly. Paul's been listening. I've been in a meeting too. I've been like half earing it here. Um, so I didn't realize, and we've been at this for a while with Owen with the art. I didn't realize they had to give this to us in advance. Is that the law? Like five, five days, days? Right? Um, I did not realize this because we sit in there and a lot of the stuff they throw at us is just, we're hearing it for the first time and we're trying to absorb it. Like you're saying. Yeah, exactly. That's why I just, I looked at him when I heard that and, and at least okay, that makes sense now. And we're going to ask for that now because his art was actually supposed to be today and we got it postponed and it's, it's in a few weeks. You so. see, they have, they have their time clock, right. Of when they have to check that they got that art done. Cause it's like yep. a right. year to year renewal, but that's not your problem. No. If they can't get their <laughs> stuff together in time, that's not your problem. It, you need to do your stuff to get to them in time. And so more than five days is beneficial, depending on how big it, how hard it is going to be for them to chew it. Okay. Because they are going to predetermine, they are going to pre-assemble and have their own talk amongst themselves. And that's fine. Say whatever you need to say on paper and everything. In fact, everything should be on paper anyway, right? A verbal conversation is no good. It's just going to go off into the air because <laughs> it's not nailed down. You want to mm -hmm. nail down everything in writing in the deliberations. Yeah. Okay. So, Gail, I'll pipe in here too. So, in the statute, actually, it'll it'll mention there's a it's a, there's a three days because just like there's notice that they have to give you prior to the meeting, right? right? They have to give yeah. you so much time to to know that that they're going to have a meeting, and you can always waive that, right? You can waive the fact that hey, we want to call you today, and we expect you to come in for an art meeting tomorrow. So, and that, that will be in the signature page where little check mark boxes, we waived our right to prior notice, we waived our yep. right, to, you know, so you can always waive these rights, but a lot of parents don't know that, um, yeah, you have the right to, to, to know ahead of time of when these meetings are, and you have the right to have at least um, um, a lot of the draft documentation. So, and again, this is where you have to be careful because they, the school district, of course, um, will be very leery of um, pre uh, preparing too much of, you know, the entire art documentation, because then if they give you the, the entire anticipated what they plan the decisions to be, that would absolutely be evidence of the fact that they predetermined everything that they plan to do at that art meeting. So um, what you, the materials you will typically get from a school district before you, you meet in an art meeting will be things like the, the present levels, those that plaques, the present levels of academic achievement and functional performance, the goal long term for what um, is my child doing right now in these various areas. Um, and the plaque is important because it tells you where your child is now. And looking back, prior ARDS will tell you where your child was. And when you look at PLAF and prior ARDS, that tells you progress, right? You know, how far has my child come? Have we met the goals that we plan to have for, for my child over this time? So um, if you're asking for things ahead of time, it will be things like present levels. It will be proposed goals, probably from your child's teacher about what are the speech goals going forward. Um, you're going, you can also ask for um, the benchmark or those um, progress um, assessments that they have done over time throughout the school year. If this happens to be your annual ARD, then there's likely several um, assessments or benchmark exams. Different schools like to call it different things, 
but um, basically the, the, the um, grade level track of, of where your child has been. So ask for all those things because that will help you as a parent be able to be meaningfully involved, meaningfully up to date on the information that the school has about your child. So you can participate a little bit more. And that's your, and that's your reason for wanting that ahead of time. And then you as a parent always have the right to also share from your perspective. Your child has been attending um, the outside therapy. Your child has been attending uh, Boy Scouts and he goes to church and he does all these things. So maybe even write a little plaque or a little letter yourself about your child from what he or she has been doing from the home and community standpoint and share that with the art committee because that will help them and you all as an art committee to see the full picture. So are we able to, I guess some, and part of the reason why we wanted to join today too, is when we had to do the virtual schooling, we were really able to see where he was and where he needed help, right? We assumed we knew where he needed help, but really when we went into virtual world and, and something as simple as science, like write a chart and write this number and weights and measures. And I was like, there is no way he understands what's heavier and what's not, but there's no way this kid is, is doing this on his own at school. Right. So now I have a better idea for, for the art to say, Hey, this is the help he needs. And this is what we've seen um, based on as much as, as COVID has been horrible. It's actually been kind of an awakening for us. Right. Um, and, and I guess as a parent, do I have the, well, I have the right to do anything as a parent, but do I have the right to go into the school and say, Hey, this is what you should be doing with him because this is what I've seen. Mm -hmm. based on, raising it this way, yeah. based on all that we did with the COVID at home, it's, it, what best supports our son's learning is it your son, right? Your son yeah. best supports our son's learning is this. To do and, yeah, be constructive with what your suggestion is not this is wrong, but offer yeah. what is right. Yeah. The conditions under which your child yeah. will thrive, right? And I saw it too with John. And so I modified. And when they talked about, I self-modified as a parent. It wasn't in the art, it's just coming in the, our system is called Canvas, which is a mess. But yeah, we're I in Canvas brain, too. Okay, I use Brain Pop to give him background. They said, go to someplace Wikipedia. And I'm thinking, hmm, John and Wikipedia, how about brain pop? So we use brain pop. And I said that, you know, I'm, I make John write it because I'm trying to fade back. I'm trying to fade back. I'm trying to fade back all the time. So I'll, I want him to do the work. Um, we've seen things where our kid got, got an award, but they didn't earn it. And that might be nice at the moment, but that's not going to serve them in the long run. So if John can't do it, let's just be honest about it. Let's work on that and not yeah. try to cover it up. So, um, yeah. and another idea, sorry. Um, so another idea, so perhaps your son is not able to write in the chart right now, but think about, and, and speak, you know, think out loud with your art committee at some point too, you know, talk amongst yourself as, as parents and kind of talk about what you all think, but also, um, at least allow that opportunity during the ARD meeting to say, hey, my husband and I talked about this. Although our son cannot currently do this right now, we would like for him to be able to do this. So what That's we're asking as an ARD committee is what do we do now to accommodate him, but with the goal that he will learn how to do this. So you kind of so throw it back on them. Say, this is what I've seen. This is what we eventually want him to be able to draw that graph and do. So sure. what do you, 
basically as the school, what are you going to do without it's saying backward chaining? So you're asking them for strategies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you can use the phrase backward chaining. Um, uh, Amanda slide had a lot of other words in which ABA was used in different um, settings. So in, uh, in business, you call it critical path analysis. In education, you call it backward chaining, backwards design. So if these are the things over here that you want your child to be able to do, okay, let's work backwards. Yeah, back into and, it. And, and they master and then go back one more master, go back one more master, go back one more master. So basically by the time they get to the first step, they've already mastered everything. So boom, independent. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Thank you. Any other questions or thoughts or? So have we just uh, numbed you? <laughs> it's a lot of information, but that, so that's that's one thing we'll take away because you know as we're all I think all of us here are either parents or exposed parents. Parenting is the hardest job on the planet, um, and then having a child who happens to have you know be be ha have a disability or be neurotypical or or, or all of our children right um, neurodiverse they. Um, it throws extra monkey wrenches in there. So be patient with yourself as a parent, know that you're doing the hardest job on the planet. And um, it's a journey. Um, I have one who is now a senior in high school and I have two that just are happen to be ninth grade. So it hasn't gotten any easier <laughs> since kindergarten, you know, and, 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 and every year I feel like it's, um, was that like Groundhog Day or something, but every year, so it's Groundhog Year, because every year they have all new teachers, maybe there's administrators that have changed at the school. And then next thing you know, you're in middle school and that's for three years and now you're in high school. So every year you feel like as a parent, you have to retrain your art committee every single year. And it's, you have been the one constant, right? From your child at preschool and through middle school or you know elementary middle. Um, but you have seen the turnover of all these teachers and all these administrators over the years. So. So know that and feel that gives you a lot of um, legitimacy as the parent. So, and, and maybe sometimes it's okay to remind the art committee of that say, look, and I know you guys are the expert for where he is right now in eighth grade, but I'm just sharing with you what we've seen since kindergarten and first and second, third and you know, so on. So um, just having those different perspectives um, know that it, it's a good thing, but it, it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. So we're all on the journey together. These platforms are great and it's good to continue to learn from each other. And to Carrie's point, put the new stuff in front, put the stuff in the behind it, yeah, all yeah. the previous, put appendix. And then you can just say all the prior deliberations are in the appendix for your reference. So you never kill anything. You just add it and bring it forward or put it in the appendix. And now this is really good information because we're, we're in third grade right now and, and we're gonna soon, so we only have one more year left in this elementary school. And, and that's one of my biggest fears already is, is transitioning and, and making sure they know. And, and as the parent, you wanna to, to protect them, right? You wanna you want to do everything for them so that it's easy, but you can't. And, and you just have to make it easy in that environment or easier for them in that environment so they thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you're doing another, step back. <laughs> yeah. And another strategy that I will share with parents, um, because anytime you jump to the different uh, level, like elementary to middle school or middle to high school, 
there is, they, they are totally different platforms. When you skip from elementary to middle school, huge difference. When you, when you go even from middle school to high school, there's still a very big difference. And the personnel that were there in your art committee the year before definitely aren't going to be there next year. So as a strategy, I don't know when your last triannual is, and it's another thing parents need to know is you are entitled to a new full individual evaluation at a minimum every three years. Um, sometimes school districts will um, say, oh, it's time for your triannual and, and uh, we, we will do a review of existing evaluative data, which is known as a READ, R-E-E-D, and they will kind of pass it off as a full individual evaluation. But legally, you're entitled to a full individual evaluation at least every three years. But parents can, again, waive that right. You can give it away. And, and, and it's not that parents know that they're doing that. They're kind of convinced because school districts, kind of they do this all the time and say, oh, well, you know, the, the teachers did their evaluation, right? The teachers have given their input. So that's your new evaluation. But it's not the true uh, full assessment and evaluation um, that you're entitled to. So, and, and I would suggest if your son's in third now, if you can, again, I don't know when the last triennial was, but if it falls around doing a new uh, evaluate, full individual evaluation for a fifth grade, that is great timing because it serves a couple purposes. One, you got your new evaluation, right? Mm -hmm. Your child is very different as a second, third grader than they are at a fifth, as a fifth grader. And it actually does fall about that time. That's perfect mm -hmm. because then while they were in fifth grade, while they were still in the elementary school setting, you have the people that have known your child for the longest period of time mm -hmm. academically by that point, giving impressions, giving their opinions, because when you go to um, middle school, none of those people are going to know your child. It is a totally different environment. It's really not fair to evaluate a child, I think, during their sixth grade year because they are in such turmoil and it really is kind of hard to get valid data in sixth grade when they're going through so many changes and none of those people know them. Plus yeah, yeah. So having an, a new evaluation in the fifth grade environment with those teachers and that input will help you advocate when you get to the middle school because you will see the tone and the um, philosophy of middle school teachers and administrators is very different from the tone and philosophy and support giving it at the elementary school level. So mm -hmm. what I found a great benefit was I was because the evaluation was done by the school and I had input from school district teachers at fifth grade. When I went to sixth grade and I knew all these things were gonna be needed, it's already in their evaluation. Their teachers in fifth grade said it, it came from the school district's mouth. So the buy-in was already there. So what they normally, we don't do that in middle school was much easier to advocate for because the elementary school, which does tend to cater to your child a little bit more, it was written in there, right? Mm -hmm. So just as a strategy, do, do an evaluation fifth grade, do an evaluation again in eighth grade for that very same reason, because the high school culture, the high school administrators, the high school people, teachers are going to want to give even less to your kid, just because that's the culture of that level of, you know, of instruction that 
the high school level. They're, they're there to make sure that your child is even more independent. And, and you do want your child to be independent, but sometimes they, again, try to treat everybody like they're all the same and, and every child is unique. So you really have to kind of consider that. Yeah. And in, in John's case, so we're an outlier. Um, I want fewer, I mean, I want- right. I mean, <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, what best serves John's learning strengths is less services. Get out there and get a few scuffed up marks, you know, get out there because mm -hmm. he, he needs to stretch because he's the right now in specialized instruction, he's like a peer compared to, and that's not serving him. So he has to get out there. And so on the, we're, he's the opposite situation. So I did waive those. I said, listen, we're not ready to nail down butter unless you get some cute little girls in there. Okay. Then John will show off for you. But right yeah. now he's done showing off for old people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and we, we started with that. We started with the, I, I, I don't want him tied to this. And we started with just putting him out there, but then we realized his self-esteem was going down. He wasn't talking. He wasn't um, because he was seeing all these kids do these things and he just wasn't ready to, to go there yet. And, and we saw a real change in his behavior when, when we made sure that the setting he could thrive in was there. And now we've seen him, but now I feel like we're, we're coddling a little too much. It's we're so trying hard. to find that balance. It's so yeah. hard this, isn't it? Yeah. And the kids keep changing about the time we got this thing figured out. Like, oh, okay, good. I know what to do. It's like, oh, no, yep. something changes. And that's the nature of development. We want that. We just have to, you know, keep listening to each other, keep using each yep. other's ideas. And the more, if your kid has expressive language, if your grandchild has expressive language, wonderful, use it, ask them. Like last night, I asked John a question yeah. and I really didn't expect an answer, but man, he gave me the exact right answer and I did it and we used it and it was like, wow. I said, John, you really are. I shouldn't say it. I, I mean, I shouldn't think it. John, you really are a smart kid, but he really is a smart kid. It's mm -hmm. just, how does it come out? If your neural yeah. wiring's all globbed up together, then it may not all come out neurotypically expected. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we're a praxic, so it's hard. It's hard to get that feet. You can yeah. do, I just have to go by what I see and how I... So then you talk to them about, okay, so with apraxia, so let's use an alternate assessment of behaviors or some other way. If, if apraxia just means that it's kind of like, you know, you can't spit it out, right? Right with the, the verbal ex yep. expressive, expressive expressive language. So you look for alternate ways. It's called alternate assessment. So behaviors or colors or pictures they draw or how does he walk down the hallway? Is he happy? You know, kids. The body will show if the kid's happy. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. They skip. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that said, and I don't want to take up everybody else's time here, but we, we noticed that that's why we pulled back and then put in, and now we're just trying to figure out what the next. Well, I would next love step. to get a picture before we, um, before we say this section's over and we go on to the next one. I would, I don't know how you feel about it, but would you be willing to wave and I take a screen print and I share it with you? Are you guys willing to do that? Come on. If you want to come on screen, I, these are, these are our group pictures, you guys. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Oh, good. Let's do this one more time. Thank you, Corey. Um, here we guys. Thank you. Um, now, um, so we're most of us, some of us will be here all afternoon and um, I'm going to stop this recording and then I'll, you, you don't have to move. I'm just going to reset zoom and then we'll just see what the Q and a is. And then we'll reset for this afternoon and 
I bet, Amanda, if we come up with different words and Carrie, if you're able to join us, then we can make it like a series because we don't have to say the same thing over again because the parents can go get the recording. We could actually kind of try to add more because seriously, we just touched tips of the icebergs. You guys all, all okay with that? <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Um, um, any last words before you can stay yeah, here? I'm just going to stop something and then start it over again. Usha, you had a question, right? Yeah. Yes, I have. Uh, I have one question for Kerry. Um, yeah, you can stop recording if you want. Um, before I do, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah I have okay, no worries. Um, That's why yeah. we talk about it. Yeah, my uh, son, he is in 12th 